0: He asks, I think my roommate's about to have sex. I have like, no idea that
1: going to be picked up on the podcast. Oh my gosh. Wait. So all this time, we've, you guys have talked about porn and we're going to have actual porn. <laughs> on this
2: the is podcast. super on brand. This
1: is, this it is it. on brand. It totally is.
2: This is the quintessential episode, guys.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> Honestly, fuck Damocles at this point.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to May We Geek Again, a little podcast where we talk about sci fi and philosophy and dick jokes.
0: Lots of dick jokes.
2: Yeah, my name is Shaheen, and I'm joined today by my lovely co hosts, Pups and CC. Hello. <laughs> that was a really soft hi.
0: Hi.
2: <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's, That's better. <laughs> so welcome to our podcast um if you found us on soundcloud then you know we're on soundcloud um you can find us on itunes um and we're also on twitter where joe is joeing and um it's all at maybe geek again you can email us at maybe at gmail.com we're sometimes on facebook so check it out and yeah um, today we we're talking about episode five, oh, five, ten, or sorry, season five, episode 10 of the hundred. Um, uh, we sometimes talk about other shows. Um, but we have a tradition here where we ask what everyone is drinking. So let's get that over with. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> lately it's, it's been kind of boring because no one is drinking anything. So I'm drinking water today. Um, oh. you're getting a second second installment of silver Shaheen um so there we go well,
0: welcome what back, are you drinking thank you <laughs> I am drinking um district 7 Sauvignon Blanc okay It's pretty good what
2: what what is that
0: it's um It's from Monterey, California. This actually – I've had it before. I was at the wine store like two days ago, and I was in the fridge just trying to pick like a cheap cold wine. Mm -hmm. And the guy comes by that works, and he's like, hey, do you need help? And I was like, no. And he goes, are you sure? And then starts helping me. And I was like, I said no. (laughs) So this time – I and like he recommended one. I'm like, great, I'll have that one, whatever. And so this time when I went back in – he was there again, and I was in the same fridge, and I was, I was just like, and he came over, he's like, do you need help? I'm like, no, and I grabbed the same wine he recommended last time, I was just like, I'm done, I'm good. <laughs> I just like hate when, like, I hate being helped unless I, like, say, yes, I want help, or I, like, uh-huh. yell at somebody. Otherwise, I just want to be left alone.
2: <laughs> Is that in general, in life?
0: Basically. Or just when
2: you go to buy alcohol?
0: I think that's generally in
1: life, basically.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. What about you, CC?
1: I I didn't know water was allowed. Um, I think <laughs> for
0: us. there's different rules for guests of the pod and uh, pod of the pods.
1: I see, I see. Yeah. So as a, as a guest, no
2: quality here.
1: <laughs> as a guest, I'm still being hazed. I am drinking um my favorite local brewery, Blue Jacket, and that's in honor of Joe, who's not here. It's a double IPA, which has her crawling <laughs> into the fetal position. IPAs are right her now. favorite. Um and I just realized the title is appropriate. It's Going Underground. That's the name of the mirror. I know. I didn't even yeah.
2: That's crazy. Um yeah. So speaking of which, Joe is off today. Um and I am absolutely terrified because yeah.
0: You're doing a great um, job. We have faith in you.
2: Thank you. Um so yeah, so we're talking about season five, episode ten. Um, it's called The Warrior's Will, written by the Benson sisters, um, Shauna and Julie Benson. And this is, I think, the second episode that uh, Henry Ann Cusick directed that, mm-hmm. that I remember. So that's interesting. Um, what were what was your you guys' overall takes? I feel like it was a torture journey, as we talked about pr- prior to the podcast. Um, why don't you go first, Pubs?
0: This was a tough one. You know, we've had like, what, oh yeah, this is 10. We've had nine episodes that were like very high paced um, amazingness. And so this one on initial watch was disappointing, um, which was all around disappointing because we're like so deep into the season and it still feels like there's so much left that we need to like get through. Um, so I was really kind of like, I can't believe we're here. And, like, they just wasted a whole episode with not a lot happening. So, like, my take was, like, meh. But then I watched it again, and, like, there were, there were things that stood out much better the, the second watching of it. And I was able to appreciate it as a standalone episode. And, and I think it's, like, this is what a moment you remember that this season has just been, like, amazing. So to have an episode like this... Um, I don't think it's saying it's a bad episode. I think it's saying that this season is amazing. And we've I, I can't think of another season of television where we've had such consistently amazing episodes. Um, so I don't think it's this episode's fault. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it's just like um a prince among kings, basically.
2: Uh huh. Is that when your meh went from uh, uppercase to lowercase?
0: Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair.
2: On rewatch, you, you were like first yes. time you were meh and then second time you're meh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: was yeah. more forgiving. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. What about you, CC?
1: Um I think I'm pretty much in the same vein as Bub's that uh when Mr. Chick and I watched it, we both were like, Wow, that's it. <laughs> um mm-hmm. and I think it's just I think it's if this episode had happened earlier in the season, but I think given how, I don't know, maybe it's sort of a, it's because we love the show so much and there's so many characters that haven't even come face to face yet, um, and knowing how relentless the last two episodes are likely to be, I, I, I don't know, like... When it finished, we like I remember pausing and being like, "Wait a second! There's only like two minutes left. How can that even be like?" But all this other stuff hasn't. So, yeah. yeah was... <laughs> but but then but then I went back and watched it tonight, and it had a lot of really great character moments and characters talking to each other. Which is it, what the funny thing is. Usually those are the scenes that I live for. I guess I just felt like even though we got those character moments, maybe my initial disappointment was it still felt stagnant in terms of those characters relating to each other, even or or even trying to kind of delve into, like, for example, with Octavia, like what's going on in her head. Um, But I liked it a lot more after rewatching it. Mm -hmm. That's a really tortured answer.
2: Um, so it was mainly an issue of not much happening for you guys. It was like a, can we say a filler episode?
0: Y- yes. Uh, yes. Uh, absolutely a filler episode. And I think um, in terms of the character moments for me, it wasn't, I I, I agree that like we're so starved for them um, that you'd think that this would be like what we were asking for all of last season. Um but the problem is that while they spent time with these characters, none of the relationships moved forward. Not even a little bit. So it, it just felt like these things we've waited for, you know, like the payout, um, the the soft moments where like um characters let down their guard and like make some progress, like it it didn't happen. So um
2: So the main thing that basically happened was the uh, hydro farm they burnt the fi- hydro farm right that's like the- yeah if we if we can cite one thing that happened in this episode that's gonna have a lasting effect is that they um or that that it's gonna change one crew has burnt. one choice <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> is what, <laughs> what um, we left off with Vincent has sharp incisors another thing yeah. we left off with <laughs> Um, and Clark and Maddie made it to the ship, sort of.
1: Yeah, if- I mean, it's like, it's like a, cro- for one, I guess plot-wise, it's now a crossing the Rubicon moment, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can't, they, they don't have a, a choice in which you can survive if they stay. Yep. Yeah. I, and the other, I mean, it is an important episode, mythology-wise, um, through what we saw through the flame. It's so- a setup, yes.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, we'll get to that um, in a second. So my, my overall take, um, I wasn't particularly bored, but um, I feel like the season deviates from the previous seasons in that um, it used to be, especially in season seasons two and three, and also to some extent season one, that every episode was kind of like its own chapter or like mm-hmm. its own Um, self-contained story in a way Mm -hmm. and it had a lot of times had its own distinct themes um, that that were shared by the different storylines and it was like a nice little you know uh, standalone story as well as uh, something that moves the story forward Um, whereas this season it's more like just an unraveling of everything that was set up in the first few episodes It's just been unraveling and unraveling and that's it. It's just been unfolding. Um, And this was just another step in that direction. So maybe that's why I didn't feel like it was much different from the previous episodes. Because I just felt like a continuous flow of um, consequences of what had been done in the first, say, four, three or four episodes of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, But in any case, my main beef with this um, episode and also generally this, this season but it kind of became more obvious this episode is that the antagonists which in this case are Octavia and McCreary um, they're, they don't strike me as um, you know as complex as the previous seasons the antagonists of the previous seasons um, we hardly gain any insight into Octavia or McCreary's perspectives mm-hmm. um, so I feel like it's just it's becoming like a more straightforward, um, you know, black and white story. Maybe it like
0: I think. but Well, it's like a setup for next week's episode is what it felt like. Like a big like wind up that, um, you know, Octavia is doing like all these things and we can't really connect with what she's doing. Um, but there's a lot of teasing that like the reason why she's compelled to do this has to do with what she did during the quote unquote dark year. Right. Like, I think that yeah. she probably feels that she needs to be this person because of whatever she gave up to get through the dark year or whatever she became or did or whatever, you know?
2: Right. So I
0: feel like that's what,
1: but it's like a big wind up that the show never does. Um,
2: yeah. Well, and I, I,
1: I don't know. I mean, it was, it's a little bit of the same structure as what they did with Pike. They just have Mm -hmm. been giving more hints, along, like Mm -hmm. clear signposting that we don't have the full story with Octavia. But I mean, we're going to get her side of the story about the same time in the season as we did part of Pike's.
2: What's interesting is with Pike, we didn't really get to see how Pike became who he was. We didn't get to see them like endure Asgarda cruelty and all of that. Um, and see him evolve the into, the, into the, like, uh, you know, whatever, um, mm-hmm. like, hardcore, authoritarian, aggressive figure that he became. Um, but what we did get was sort of a backstory that kind of gave him layers mm-hmm. um, and showed us here's who Pike was before. Um, and, you know, you can sort of see how um, he w- He's still kind of the same person. Um, but not really whereas with Octavia we already know the the background um, Mm -hmm. and so what we're supposedly going to get next episode is some explanation for how she what happened the past six years that made her um, who she is now Mm -hmm. and I'm really worried about this I'm really worried about the next episode Yeah, I mean, there's all the eggs are in that basket right now, and I'm just not, (laughs) I'm not optimistic that it's gonna pay off because I don't really, I can't see what can you show me about what happened that would a justify why everyone thinks Octavia is somehow like the a, a unique savior that has some sort of quality that no one else has, and b. Justify something like burning down the hydro farm. I just can't see how that would ever work. Uh, like, yeah. I don't care what happened. This is not. This is not cool. So, <laughs>
1: well, like, yeah, I,
2: I, I don't, I don't get. It. So we'll see what they show us next time.
1: I, there I, is I, a high
2: I, potential that it falls flat for me.
1: It, it could. I, I think. I, I at least I was left at the end, and, and maybe this is jumping ahead, yeah. but at least I was left at the end with the impression. You know, either she truly is like a mad Nero, let Rome burn, but that doesn't seem to be the kind of story that The Hundred is usually telling. Mm-hmm. Or there is something tied specifically to the farm and why those plants were still living. That the explanation for that, because she said that the, it started to fail during the dark year, is so horrific what they had to do that she's just unwilling to allow humanity's survival to continue on that, going back to that end point of what they had to do. Which I think is a really interesting sort of fucked up break the cycle. <laughs> that <laughs> Right, like a, a misguided break the cycle, but I'm wondering if it has to do with The farm specifically, because when she saw that That makes so much
0: sense.
1: Do you know what I mean? Like
0: traumatized by the farm, like whatever happened and it has to do with the farm and like being, yeah, I can totally see that.
1: So -hmm. so that in her own kind of fucked up way, there is some horrible sin that they committed, whether it was- Killing people and using human bodies to fertilize, using babies
0: to fertilize plants,
1: whatever it is that she's unwilling to allow that to continue, and this is her, yeah, like fucked up, like the opposite of Monty, but like we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this, like we're not gonna continue doing this, even though she wants to go to war and lose half of her people, which is also horrible, but I'm, I'm hoping. That, that that the explanation has mm-hmm. to do something tied specifically to the farm, because the way that the show has framed that farm in every episode, with the exception of the Abby and Kane um, when they were was it 502 when they were chained to it, mm-hmm. where it looked like kind of this like underground Garden of Eden. But mm-hmm. there have been a lot of scenes there that have made it seem super creepy. And like, this is the bad place, (laughs) kind Mm. of feel. So,
0: well, that's where they took the the worms. You have to imagine like a medical center would be a better place to host a bunch of like experimental worms. So maybe that like it's already has like bad juju. So they like well, might as well put the worms (laughs) here in our secret room back here that we didn't do anything bad in at all.
1: Well, everybody thought that that reveal was going to be repurposing dead bodies and not about the worms. Right.
0: Yeah, I'm so worried that it's still that and we're supposed to be shocked because, like, that's, like, not bad enough at this point. And it reminds me a little bit of season three when I think it was Chris Larkin who said um, that he read the finale script and it made him feel sick. So I thought some, like, horrific...
1: But he um, did that. But that's because they they took out Jasper dying
0: exactly. But like in the context of like with Ali and everything that was going on from what we knew at that time, we thought there was going to be like a mass suicide. Like everyone somewhere was going to die. Um, and that's as as horrific as Jasper committing suicide was. It was not on the scale to which we were pitched in context of the finale hype.
2: To be fair, the people scaling the tower is kind of sick that was um, kind of cool yeah <laughs> um going back to Octavia is I did Octavia uh supply the fertilizer <laughs> is that why she's so crucial like maybe her poop has like a property that no one else's does
0: <laughs> that
2: keeps the farm going is her that, shit is don't
0: that... sink I, I mean yeah, she seems that, to that... believe that right now <laughs>
2: That, that's the only way I would accept this at this point because, like, she's supposed to have some sort of magical property that got us through the dark year. I
0: mean, one of our listeners said, what if Octavia um, had a baby and, like, ate it? <laughs> I was like, honestly, that's, that's like, the horrific that I'm, like, I'm feeling we need at this point. We mm-hmm. need something that's, like, so – and, like, I, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that – But, like, theme-wise, it's on par with um, Octavia being the girl under the floors. Like, if she's made to go against everything she thought was wrong growing up, like, that is traumatizing. And that is its own torturous, horrific. um, Mm. So, I don't know. Yeah.
2: um, So, we'll see. Um, So, let's get into the storylines. Um, I thought we could start with the uh, with Maddie and Clark and then talk about Eligius since we don't have a lot to say about that. And then maybe we'll take a break and then talk about one crew okay. afterwards. Let's start talking about uh, Clark and Maddie. So there was a lot of kerfuffle about them fighting, apparently. Yes. Is that right?
0: Yes. One of the clips that they decided to release... Um, early kind of showed Clark and Maddie wrestling, basically. Yeah. Um, And a lot of people had a, a hard time with that. And I think this is coming at the heels of the perceived um, emotional manipulation of Maddie to take the flame by Bellamy and Indra or mm-hmm. Bellamy and Gaia. Um, and so I think there was a lot of issues for people in terms of like power dynamics and consent right. and um and it kind of came to a head with this clip where it looks like Clark is basically um bodily forcing Maddie um to her All will right. which I mean I I did not have the same issues with it but I can kind of see what people are saying I don't know if you have more to say on it um
1: well I mean I, I think if you love Clark Griffin um, and she's at least for, I mean, I think we can talk about whether she's actually the hero of our story or she's just the protagonist in our story. <laughs> um, seeing her being, finding herself in a situation where she can't even convince her 12 year old daughter to listen to her and she's tackling her. Um you know, on you know, the same dunes that she was falling all over in five oh one. Um, it's not yeah. it's not a great moment for Clark Griffin, <laughs> right? Like, um She's she's been better. Well yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, on the on the one hand, you have a twelve year old who wants to turn around and go right back to the place where she was almost executed. So, you know, yep. if I if I were Clark, I'd be tackling Maddie too. Same. But um it's it's, I mean, on the one hand, like, the first time I watched it, I was like, what the fuck? She's, like, <laughs> tackling her. The second time, it's, It um, like, as a parent, it had that absurdist moment where sometimes you're like, I'm the adult. What I'm saying is making sense. I'm having no control over this other person who wants to do something that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And nothing I'm doing is working and it's absurd. Um, yeah. So... I mean, obviously the stakes and everything are ridiculous and I hope it's not anything that like our listeners are facing in their real lives, but (laughs) the, the, where Clark was finding herself was both relatable, but also like kind of absurdly sad, (laughs) you know, like she's, she is now at a point where she has no, all of her allies, everybody she was counting on, she's now cut them off. Um, and she can't even convince Maddie, who the two of them have depended on each other, and she's a maternal figure to, to just listen to common sense, which is you shouldn't be turning around and going right back to the place where somebody just tried to put a bullet in your head. Um, so it's kind I, I, you know, I felt like it was kind of a low for Clark.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I did feel a little weird about that scene, about the way that Clark was tackling maddie or just like the way that their physical altercation but i have two thoughts on this so first of all i th- i believe that um children grow up at different rates in different cultures um mm-hmm. and um there are there have been and there are cultures where um children are supposed to be adults at the age of 12 or 13. Um, I mean, the, you know, the region of the world where I come from, this is a common thing. Like my dad used to work when he was 13. Same. Um, your dad used to work mm-hmm. at 13? And he
0: took tickets at a movie theater. That was his job when he was 13. <laughs> well, this
2: wasn't like a teenager job. Like he had like, he worked like manual labor and he provided for a family. Um, my
0: dad gave his money to his family. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was so, a labor.
2: Yeah. And so this, and you know, people get married much uh, earlier and stuff. And this is, I mean, we can have our feels about it however we want, but this, in those cultures, those people are considered adults. Um, and this, the grounder culture is similar. And you can see how it, it makes sense. If your life expectancy is low, if you expect to live like 30 years, you better be an adult by the age of 10. Um, so you don't really have too much time. And so um, we kind of have a luxury in the West where like we let our children be stupid for like 18 years. Um, Just and, like, 18? <laughs> well, yeah, fair. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, 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 there's like 18 is not a, like, it wasn't like didn't come down from the sky. It wasn't written in any uh, stone. That's just a random number that we came up with, um, and so we can argue like maybe twelve is too young or whatever. But um, I, again, I think different children mature at different ages, and different cultures are also different in terms of how much pressure is there is on people to to mature. Mm-hmm. And um, and the, yeah, so the gro- ground culture obviously we're we're meant to believe that. Um, is is a culture where you're supposed to mature quickly. Commanders, like they said, Lexa was twelve or thirteen or whatever when she ascended, so they are supposed to like run a whole country at that age. Um, so they're not really children anymore. So there's there's that aspect of it, and then the other aspect is I fi- I think that we get sort of sensitive about consent issues whenever the body is involved. For mm-hmm. some reason, whereas like lying to someone is also violating their agency um, or, you know, deceiving someone or, or murdering ens- them. enslaving them. Sorry, yeah. what?
1: Or murdering them as, you know, yeah, Target, Target yeah. Bellamy did last week or smoking <laughs> like- under their window. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. You know, so, and we've seen all manners of those things on the show, like people being enslaved, tortured, murdered. Um, you know, in prison, all of those things are violations of your agency. Um, but for some reason, we get cringy whenever like bodily interaction is involved.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, so that, I mean, that's per- my second thought. And perhaps you know, in the real world, uh, the consent with respect to people's bodies may crop up more commonly than say mm-hmm. you know mass murder like what we saw in mount weather hopefully <laughs> um but i mean you no know, she you do raise a good point i mean generally i think it's i think there's two points like you talking about your father i mean my great-grandfather got on a boat at 12 and decided to emigrate you know from spain to cuba by himself like that's yeah. that's insane but it's also the times he was living in and what he was facing so on the other hand, there was something, you know, and I know you guys talked about this last week. They didn't choose, like, if you think about, like, I was, what I was trying to think out in my mind, Maddie's 12. The pilot had Monty and Jasper were 15, right? Mhm. Why, why are, I mean, they chose someone intentionally who is, who is younger than the age of even the youngest delinquent when the show started. And, and they Mm -hmm. chose someone, I I guess young enough so that it justifies why Clark has more of a maternal role.
2: Right. I think that's a crucial point. Yeah.
1: Right. Whereas at the beginning of the show, you already felt like the tugging, the tug of war between Abby and Clark. And you felt a little more comfortable of, as a viewer. Well, Clark's 18 or she's about mm-hmm. to turn 18. So that's sort of a normal pulling away. I mean, there's a normal pulling away with a 12 year old anyway. And at 12, there are decisions you're already starting to make that are with your child instead of for your child, depending on the subject matter.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: it's interesting. They intentionally chose to make the character younger than the delinquents were. So when they bring up these issues of convincing her to do something or when she's choosing her own path to do something, it's in the world of the show versus us as viewers why I mean it's just interesting. And to your credit,
0: um they say Lexa was the same age when she became right. a commander. So in in the culture of the show, Maddie is in line and yeah. and maybe like that's part of the the struggle is that Clark is from a different culture maybe like it's you're also right Shaheen, with talking about like the the cultural differences is that Clark and Maddie have different backgrounds they were raised completely different
1: oh which is clear yeah. like cuz Ab remember when Abby would looked at Lexa and even when Lexa was what was she 18 during season 2
0: she was supposed to be like 22 or something or she, like that and
1: and Abby's like they're being led by a child yeah <laughs> exactly exactly. After, exactly so yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think yeah. it's intentionally provocative, mm-hmm. and and this line, there's a lot of complications with as if when when Clark is like, "I'm your mother," and you have to listen to me when I tell you what to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I I feel a push and a pull within that scene on so many levels because, first of all, like yes, Cl- there are things that Maddie, as has been as has been shown in this season, is naive about. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when she sought out Octavia um, and told Octavia that she was a real nightblood. I mean, there's things that she.
0: Well, she's it, at that age where she's questioning because it's like it's we all went through this where our parents were the absolute best, smartest people in the world. And at some point we're like, wait a minute. No, they're not like and and you yeah. go through that point where you're just like they don't know everything. And it, it it's like a hard place like it's a very hard like thing to go through and then eventually when you're older you're like oh my god they're so smart i should listen to them all the time <laughs> and so
2: again i think yeah. we shouldn't think of maddie as like a 12 year old teenager who's having like a whole um uh, identity crisis well, I but think. i
0: think it's it's necessitated by like she had she was not there was no one else and now there is now all mm-hmm. of these like questions and issues are cropping up now so you can say that it's not necessarily that she's like 12 but it's that there are people now. There are issues now. And now she has to face them.
2: Yeah. I would say, uh, again, just in line with what I said before, I think the, you, you should add like a plus five or something to all people's ages on this show. Because, again, this is a cultural thing. And in the grounder culture, um, people are pressured to mature much more, quick, much more quickly. Um,
1: and yeah, so- but uh, on the other hand, though, the show has, they've had... They've been using a shorthand, like, and maybe like Clark braiding or brushing Maddie's hair. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that you do with a little girl that you don't do necessarily with a teenager. And Maddie
0: asking to get her, have her hair dyed by Clark.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's it's interesting because it's maybe it's it's supposed to be a twofold purpose. Part of it is building their bond to the mm-hmm. viewer. Right, um, and and establishing this bond because we had never met them before. So, having them engage in those kind of acts together is like a shorthand to the viewer of this like da- mother and daughter relationship. But then mm-hmm. it, it, but then it sort of undercuts the, you know, Maddie might have been. Lexa might have been 12, but Lexa grew up in a different world than what Maddie did, right? Mm-hmm. So since Clark found her when she was six years old, they've been living in this like literal bubble with no other people. And so she hasn't dealt with the kind of challenges that maybe Lexa and Luna did when they were in kind of the rough and tumble grounder society. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's it's interesting. It's It's also kind of hard to get your arms around now that she has the flame in her head. And so she has she's 12 and she has access to this wisdom and it's it's a lot to kind of pick apart Mm -hmm.
2: yeah speaking of clark saying that you're my child and you have to listen to what i say or whatever how is maddie clark's child like they're they're not related by blood obviously and clark didn't even keep her alive
0: for half of Half of Maddie's <gasps> life, Clark... Pantai, shut up. Hey. For half of Maddie's life, Clark has been her sole caregiver.
2: No, no, she's not a caregiver. If anything, Maddie helped Clark survive. Maddie was surviving on her own fine. And wait, Clark wait, 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 just kind of tagged her- along. No, but that's so not they're, the they're only friends.
0: thing. Her hair Did you was look- like... Completely unkempt. Who knows, like, how how long she would have lasted by herself.
1: Okay, like
2: she groomed her, but, like, she was... Yeah, I don't see Clark... I don't think Clark kept Maddie alive. We we saw no evidence wait, of that.
1: Wait, wait, but Shaheen, honestly, I, I know that there's, like, the grounder world, but I have a six-year-old, and I don't think my six-year-old would make it on their own. So... I know that they wanted to portray Maddie as a badass, and they have to justify why she's still alive. But the idea that, like,
2: particular- I mean, she knew how to hunt better than Clark. She taught Clark how to hunt, how to fish.
0: But there's more to survival than just that.
2: Well, and there are no other humans around, so all you have to do is not get eaten by by other animals, and there there aren't that many animals around. So
0: there, what about killer? infection exposure
2: okay so clark was her doctor
0: (laughs) i know you're why are you so against the the fact that like clark was like what so when when maddie had parents were they not her parents because clearly she could take care of herself
2: um well i i just don't understand this whole i guess it goes back to me not understanding family like she's not they're not related by blood and clark is not but i thought you said the
0: family was the people you chose
2: I think the only thing that exists in the world is friendship and family, family is compulsory friendship. And so, so therefore, if anything, family has less value than friendship because you didn't choose your family. You were forced to be friends with them. Um, you
1: yeah, to be friends with anybody. Yeah. Friendship is something that's far easier to walk away from. Mm hmm.
2: Only if you make it that way in your head, because you make, got it in your head that family, for some reason, ha- you have to stick with them.
1: Well, well you I, don't.
2: You can you can walk away from your family whenever you want. Whenever they're being assholes, walk away. There's no problem.
1: I will say as a parent, that's absolutely untrue. No matter how much of an asshole your kid is to you, you're never going to walk away from them. Yeah.
2: Well, I understand that if, if you gave birth to the child, because then I assume you have different... Different feelings kick in.
1: Wow. But I think that 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 is pretty. That's contradictory. Yeah, well, I think there's two things. First of all, um, I would hate to somehow negate an adopted parent and an adoptive child's relationship just because they're not blood related. But second of all, you have a problem with the scene later on where Octavia is saying to Bellamy, yes, I know Indra made me who I am, but you're my blood. And you right. and you were like, well, what is that? So it's sounding like either whether it's adopted found family or blood family, whichever one you rank you're in either situation, you're finding it arbitrary.
2: So I find it arbitrary when it's like sister... Um, you know, sibling relationship. And I think that's just forced friendship. But I understand that uh, a a mother, not being a mother myself, um, not being You're able to mom. become one, <laughs> <laughs> um, I understand. I think I I assume when you give birth, physically give birth to a child, certain instincts kick in that tell you to protect that that thing at all costs um and so i understand if that gets imprinted and you can't get rid of it no matter how much of an asshole they are um i still don't know i don't know like i think you should if your child is an asshole you should walk away from them um but anyway i understand that like that can that can kick in those instincts so but i'm not saying it's justified but i understand why someone would feel that way i do not understand why someone would feel that way about their brother like it doesn't it shouldn't matter to octavia that Bellamy shares, like, half of her DNA or something. Well,
0: like, it's I, more than ha- he, like, so much of his life was about keeping her safe. She tells the story, the lily pad story. Like, so much of Bellamy's identity went into taking care of Octavia, you know? Well,
2: that's why I brought up the Clark thing. Because, like, like again, is it's either... So you're saying that the reason is because he took care of her, Um But in this case, I don't even see... We never even saw Clark taking care of Maddie. In what sense did she take care of Maddie?
0: (laughs) So you think that Maddie would have survived by herself?
2: Um, Apparently, uh, that's how it seems. Well,
0: all right. She would be nonverbal. She would... uh, If she made it, like, you can't... Humans, as much as I'd like to think otherwise sometimes, humans cannot exist without contact with other humans. At the barest level.
1: (laughs) I mean, the whole whole premise of 501 was when Clark finally thought that she was by herself. Yeah. You know, like she considered taking her own life. I mean. Yeah. So you could. I think that there's also, I, I mean, I would say two things just to follow up on what you all were saying. The episode made clear that even though Octavia was saying it's my, you know, we're the same blood. It, the, the editing and the directoral choices were to show not only in the dialogue between Bellamy and Octavia, but also the flashbacks to when she was a child and the things he was doing for her. I mean, they're not a typical sibling relationship, right? I mean, he basically raised her alongside mm-hmm. with their mother. But whether it's Clark with Maddie or whether it's you give birth to a baby and they put the baby on your chest, regardless, it's emotion. It's feelings. You can't logically explain why Clark feels like Maddie's her child the same way I can't explain to you all when I gave birth and they put the baby on my chest. I instantly loved that person and would do anything for them because it's emotion. And it's very difficult to articulate emotion. It's probably one of the few human experiences that I've experienced that I cannot articulate in a way that I think would ever make anyone Who hasn't had that experience? Get it. So, I totally understand
2: that. But just except Clark didn't have that experience because Clark didn't give birth to me. But
1: but you're but you're ascribing that there needs to be a physical event to justify the emotion. Mm -hmm. Clark and Maddie feel like they are mother and daughter. You did not hear Maddie contradict Clark and say, "No, you're not my mother." They feel like that to each other. So I don't understand why it's any less real than by the happenstance that someone came out of my body or not. Mm -hmm. Because either way, it's based on emotion. Now, you could reduce that and say, well, when you give birth to somebody, that's just our animal instinct to make sure our genes survive. And, you know, if if you want to reduce it to that, fine. But right. at the end of I the day... I think that's a
2: switch. That's a trigger but, that goes but, goes off.
1: But either way, it's emotion. Dr- and, and Clark right now as a character is very... I, and I think it makes sense. She's, you know, I'm sure you guys talked about it last week, the head and the heart. It's driven by emotion. And I don't... Either way, whether she gave birth to Maddie or she and Maddie feel like they are mother and daughter, it's based on emotion. So I don't mm-hmm. think we can logically justify it one way or the other.
2: Well, all, all I'm saying is that the emotion that Clark has towards Maddie, I don't understand what's added to it by saying that that it's a mother-daughter relationship. Somehow, like, some magical thing is supposed to happen whenever you call it family. It's just friendship. They're just very close friends.
0: Maddie is in her care. Yeah. And has been in her care for six years.
1: If you have a friend, you want to help out that friend, but you don't feel responsible and, like, you have a duty to ensure the well-being and protect that friend. A parent-child uh-huh. relationship, you have a duty, and that and that person's well-being is more important than your own. And we see Clark teaching Maddie. Like, I think that's a big part of it. And that's the choice that they made to drive the plot, because otherwise Clark would be acting... Clark would be behaving differently if this was just Maddie, her friend who happened to be like 16 and was like a kind of kid sister friend versus Mm -hmm. her friends that she had made before at the beginning of the show. You know, they purposefully made it this bond. Listen, it happened over a time jump. We saw five scenes of it. Mm -hmm. I, I have to accept what the narrative is telling me. Clark says I'm your mother. Maddie does not dispute that. I mean, it's just it's it's something that the show, like many other time jump relationships, is asking us to accept. <laughs> we, we have to. Yeah. Right.
2: We also have never heard Maddie say that Clark is her mom. Um, this has only been we've only heard it from Clark and Maddie doesn't disputed it. But we also haven't heard Maddie.
0: And she might. She might it. dispute it. But at the same time, like. I think that that's a passage of what's it called that's like a teenager thing to do to rebel so i mean i just like i see it very clearly as a maternal relationship the way that i see um abby and raven as clearly having maternal um parental bonds um so so i i just like i don't think it's confusing to me but clearly like for you it's not so cut and dry
2: yeah yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just weird.
1: <laughs> That's okay. I don't, I don't think, I mean, listen, there are a lot of narrative choices this season that they are, the whole structure of the way all these characters are interacting, they're asking us to accept a status quo that we didn't watch and that status quo over four seasons that we did watch. And that's, that's a tall, that, you know, that's a big ask from the audience. Mm-hmm. So maybe for some of us from personal experience for one relationship versus another, we find it easier to fill the gap or we don't. Um, but that's sort of, I, I think that that's sort of part of the, you know, when you set up a six year time jump, the excitement is what's changed. Mm-hmm. The, the, the con is. Oh, God, why did that change that way? And I don't get it because you didn't get to watch it. <laughs> so, mm.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I talked about this last time. It's kind of a, maybe a personal experience thing for me, too, because I have a brother who is much older than me. And when I was young, he was very um, instrumental in m- me growing up. He is the reason I got into philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, he was crucial in important parts of my development. Um, and, you know, my parents, he was maybe like kind of a surrogate parent for me. Uh, like I say, he was also much older than me. Um, but then as I grew up, he, he gradually became a horrible person. And I, I don't think that I have any obligation towards him anymore Unless he stops being a horrible person. Um, so I, I don't like it when they in movies they show that like someone feels like they have to save their brother just because it's their brother.
0: Well, not everybody feels the same way. And I think a lot of it has to do. He's your older brother. You never had to worry about him. So it, it's never been something ingrained in you that he is like your responsibility versus I am the oldest sibling i um have been in the place where i felt like i had to take care of another sibling and so i totally get that um feeling of responsibility like it's an es- it's inescapable feeling um
2: well it's it's supposed I think to it go has, the other way too right like the not, way I think octavia feels about order
0: Bellamy. makes a big difference i think it really does um because like it, it just like it even just goes down to maybe like all the times that I babysat where I had to make it like it was my responsibility to make sure nothing happened to anybody. and so like I, I like as the oldest now, like i'm I feel like I'm the most like um, I like give in more because I'm just like okay like the the parental world is like, okay, you know, let the the younger one do whatever. I don't know.
2: Yeah.
1: No, I I I'm, you know, I'm also the oldest. My sister's disabled, so it's a I mm-hmm. I I am and will be responsible for her in a way that's not typical of siblings. But I see it, you know, my husband's the oldest of 3.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's just different expectations not only from the parents but sort of in the flow of responsibility among siblings to each other, to the parents, when the Mm -hmm. parents get older, it's, it's interesting. But I think all of that, we bring all of that when we watch a story Mm -hmm. and we have different reactions to scenes. And I, you know, this show is often provocative in the way that it phrases the way that it frames things. And it's really interesting episode to episode, what pushes, pushes different people's buttons. So if you yeah. have ever had a dispute with another adult over the future of a child, you probably had a really hard time with last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and that's a personal experience that not everyone has had. So they, they I mean they this show pushes buttons. It's provocative. And, and people's life experience, like, I think it definitely impacts how we, like, the lens that we view things through, you know, there's people that have watched the Blake siblings, and just, I mean, there's been scenes of abuse between the two of them that oh are, they, that they, mm-hmm. pe- people just have a really hard time with it, so... Anyway, I I don't think that there's anything to just say. Like, don't say, oh, I don't know, I'm just weird. No, you're bringing your life experience and something isn't translating on screen. Like,
2: that's just the way the
1: story's landing. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like because this is in every movie, this must be how everyone feels. And I'm the only one in the world who doesn't feel that way. I
0: really do think, like, Birth Order, like, I didn't think about it before until we started talking about it. But I do think Birth Order has a huge...
2: But we see younger siblings feel the same way about older siblings yeah, in the, I, virtually every movie. Like they feel like they have to save them because they're 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 siblings. But I don't
0: like I. I think that the people who connect to the story itself, it's, so it's not so much like the media portrayal. I think it's the people who are watching and responding to it. Like yes, this makes sense. Are the ones who typically like are in a position that they've they've been the one that has had to provide care in one form or another.
1: Well, not um, only that, I don't think we've had yet an example. I mean, look, I think Octavia and Bellamy, depending on this season, got pretty damn close. But Shaheen, what you're talking about, like somebody who is horrible to someone or toxic or makes somebody feel hor like those are lines that people have to draw for their own well-being. Mm-hmm. So that should not be secondary to... The fact that just somebody has a family bond, but Mm -hmm. that's not, but that's not Clark and Maddie. Like Maddie hasn't done anything to Clark that's like toxic or abusive to Clark and Clark feels a duty to her. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. You know, it's. But I get I get what you're saying. And it's just I think it's just different life experience watching something on screen, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting to how did that scene land for you versus how did it land for Bubs versus how did it land for me? And it landed very differently for other people watching it. Who were Maybe appalled. we should
0: do a poll and see like <laughs> birth order and how you felt about <laughs> these right? topics. Yeah,
2: I mean, here's my poll question is if regardless of whether you're the younger or the older or whatever, Um, and I, I, the question is like, if your sibling becomes a horrible person, is that any different from some random horrible person? And let's even assume they didn't do anything horrible to you. Um, like my brother did horrible things to other people. And that's the main reason, even though he did also shitty things to me, but he mainly did shitty things to other people. And that's why I don't want to associate with him anymore. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, and so uh, that's my, I don't, 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 I don't think you should ever. Stay with someone or take care of someone just because of because they, someone said the word family. You should just look at if they're a good person, take care of them. I really not, do
0: think that's the perspective away. of a younger child. Okay. And that's why I would appreciate <laughs> the birth order in there just for me. But like for your question, it would still apply to people answering it either way. Yeah,
1: And I don't – and it's interesting. And again, this is emotion and feeling. I don't feel like – when it comes to my three children that it will, it would ever feel like a choice. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And again, that's emotion. Like that's not nothing. That's not anything logical I can explain.
0: Well, I, the feeling is though, it's not like uh, it's, it's not necessarily the feeling of obligation, which is, I think is what you're implying. It would, it's almost like selfish in the way that like not doing something and not getting involved feels worse. Like physically, like, Right. It's harder a- and like more uncomfortable than stepping in and trying to help. Like, that's yeah. like the best way I can ex- explain it.
1: No, right. Exactly. You don't, it's not like you're saying, I want, I don't, I don't want to help, I don't want to help, but I need to help. That's not the, it's no. not what you feel. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I have to.
0: Yeah. But, cool all right so that but, i mean but, that was a big bird walk <laughs> i enjoyed <Yeah>. that
2: <laughs> um should we talk about becca
0: yes oh my god so <laughs>
2: this is very interesting so for, let me just say i wasn't sure if that was erica serra i had to look at i had to see if she was a guest guest <laughs> I didn't even talk
1: about that. oh my god no but but mr chip my husband ruined it for me because we uh-huh. were, I had been speculating all week. Ever since the flame went in Maddie's head, I was like freaking out over whether um, Erica Serra is going to be on again. And then, at the, the episode, the credits were starting. And it was after, you know, the main titles where they say the guest stars. And my husband paused it and pointed to the bottom of the screen. (laughs) And I was like, oh, fuck, there's her name. And I remember I hate when they do that. I I know that they have to do it. But every time I'm like, damn it. You know, it happened in, um, was it 402 or whatever, where they had the Alley flashback. Um, So I knew it was coming. I was kind of hoping for even more. But like, holy shit, Becca was burned like a witch
2: what's up with that that how does that work yeah go ahead books
0: no i was just gonna say this is like side note but like i there's all this talk on twitter and like i got really excited about because even erica sarah was like commenting on a few things and like people are talking about like there's gonna be a spinoff, and like it's is Erica Sarah going to be on it? Like, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. Like, what if she is? What if there's, like, all these flashbacks? And then we have one flashback, and it's her getting burned at the stake. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> I guess
2: not. There goes all of those dreams.
0: So the, I think about, like, I almost felt like it was the writers, like, being mad at me for, like, hating on Becco so much. I'm like, this is what I get. This is what I deserve. <laughs> yeah. For being so excited about this. Um, but no, it was humorous and like, um, it's still interesting. And I was just like, is, are are they burning her at the stake? Because she accidentally created, or she created the technology that
1: set the world on fire and killed everybody. But but no one knew, I mean, I guess, all right. Yeah, I'm not
2: sure they knew that.
1: Let's back up. So why did not they? Because, well, okay, so let's back up. So no one on the Ark knew that. Right. They believed that it was just a nuclear war. Oh, that's true. So unless Cadigan, who was a technology-hating conspiracy theorist and had a connection to Becca...
2: Right. Cadigan and Becca were related somehow. Yeah. They worked in the same company or something. They had some sort of...
1: He hired her?
0: Like, she was in his... Mm. Am I getting... I don't remember the connection. Jesus.
1: No, it goes back to uh, Jaha, pour one out, Um, in mm-hmm. the rover with Bellamy and Clark. Mm-hmm. And they were reading those articles. And I'm trying to remember... On, on the And they were... Um, the second Dawn. Yeah, but I'm trying to remember what the specific connection... Other than her remains or what they called the tomb of the commander were in the bunker in season four, which Mm -hmm. is what started the speculation that that combined with Cadigan's hate of technology and the fact that you had the image in Mm -hmm. um, 307 of her being met by people coming out of a bunker, that that started the speculation that Cadigan killed her. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, th- but I'm trying to remember if there was anything else specific in the show that tied them.
0: What were there like um, second dawn logos in Becca's lab? I thought there was like something.
2: There was, yeah, there was some sort of corporate relationship between them, is my understanding.
0: And like, what if, what if the parallel is Cadigan and Octavia, and like Cadigan burned back into the stake, and then people discovered mm-hmm. the flame and the night blood. And how it related to them not needing to be in a bunker.
2: Let's talk about that. So, regardless of why they burned her, the the time timing the timeline is weird. It it doesn't seem to work and makes me think that they didn't burn her. Like they they ended up not burning her because um, the the story was so far that she came down from the sky and she brought with her night blood and the flame. And then there were these guys, these people who were living in the bunker, and she gave them night blood. Um, well, and we then I thought that
1: no, we didn't, I, we didn't see that. So I mean, the last image that we've had,
2: right? We didn't Becca's see that. That was just my headcanon. But but whatever happened, we know no, what we ended see, up happening. No, is we, That
1: the last image is her in the commander suit, and then people in the hazmat suits coming out to greet right. her. Yeah, and, and that's she says,
2: it. "I'm here to help." But yeah,
1: weren't
0: they like in a mismatch of suits? Unlike. Cadigan's people, so it could be that she's making her rounds like Johnny Appleseed, and this is where how she dies. But like she's already given night blood to other people because clearly people got the night blood.
1: Well, yeah, I mean anyone, I, I that's true. Anyone outside at that point in time needed to be wearing a hazmat suit, so it's mm-hmm. not necessarily the same people. But she's she is saying. The the dialogue was, Catagan, you don't have to do this. You don't have to live inside the bunker. Mm-hmm. I can show you the way. Mm-hmm. And the other. She I, says Catagan? Yeah. So she's, oh, yeah. Maddie, yells, Maddie Clark. says it very clearly. Maddie says Catagan because Clark goes, Catagan? And yeah, she then. She says Catagan, you don't have to do this. Yeah. And then my other question, I went back and watched it uh, like three times because I was confused on whose point of view we were seeing.
2: Yeah, I think that's just that's just the movie thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we're not supposed to see it from any anyone else's perspective. This is kind of like one of those things where like you, you someone is telling you a story and they, there's like the par- parts that the narrator couldn't have seen and they're they're in the story. Well,
0: weren't they showing it from? She was seeing the reflection off of a hazmat suit. I thought. Not- Most of the time. Mm. Most of the time, okay.
1: Most of the time. At first, it seems like we are watching her burn from somebody else's perspective, but then the rest of the scene, it's a reflection. She's seeing her own reflection in the hazmat suits,
0: but- It could just be like filmmaking-wise, like it didn't make sense without the the far shot.
1: Right. Because you had to tell us who it was. Exactly. But time. But time-wise, when did it happen- Mm-hmm. Because she's yeah. dressed differently. She's wearing white. So she's not in the commander outfit. So it... Yeah. Um,
2: it's very confusing. I mean, they... what, And part of this is... I'm not sure how the flame played any role. Cause how did the flame help them save themselves? Because she keeps saying the flame can save everyone. It and was we don't too,
0: know... It didn't do its purpose until um, season three... Like, she created the flame to defeat Ali.
1: No, oh, well, no, I thought she created it to augment. I mean, Ali was originally intended to augment yes. human thought advancement, but the mistake right. was it didn't. I know, she, I, and Shaheen, I don't mean to like trigger you, but in this, <laughs> the, 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 mis, in the theory of the show, the mistake was it didn't take into account human uh views on right and wrong etc and so the right. later version was supposed to work with humans and right. so she it was, and z- Becca it was says that this things, one because this things. one
2: cannot survive outside of a human body um or at least cannot thrive outside of a human body it, its interests coincide with the interests of human beings like it will never want to destroy human beings because it it's symbiotic with Which them is, and this is actually an idea well, that people actually, are are suggesting right now that we should have symbiotic AI because then they wouldn't want to hurt us.
0: Until they take over your brain and create non-symbiotic AI. Like, well, actually, (laughs) just put it in a sociopath and the sociopath will just do it for you.
1: Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, I mean, it's interesting. This can't just be, I mean, I guess guess it could just be fill in a fun fact of mythology because it was something that everybody was... But
2: so It okay, feels so hold like a, setup, so a spin-off to, setup. Is the flame supposed to like... So the way the flame helped them survive is like it made them smarter so they thought of things that they wouldn't have thought before? Is that the theory? Like they saw solutions that saved their lives that they couldn't have seen before?
1: I mean, with the way... So here's the thing. The way Becca described it in 307 when she was working mm-hmm. on it in her lab, it was meant to augment human capabilities.
2: Right. The she w- says it can run all the simulations and all of that.
1: The way it exists in terms of... It seems it seems to only draw on specific human conscious... I, I can never say that plural. Multiple... Hu- <laughs> I can never say <laughs> conscious...
2: Consciousnesses?
1: I can't say... Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that. Um, it just seems now to be like... I mean, it's a little bit of a I don't know if it's a retcon or I mean, it's it's I mean, it's not because we're delving into new details. They can make up whatever they want. (laughs) But but just trying to understand with Maddie, it seems like it's drawing upon the wisdom and memories of very specific people. And that's not the way Becca talked about it when she designed it.
2: Right. I mean, that's that's another like. Bonus that comes with it is that you can you get to carry the wisdom of the previous people who were wearing mm-hmm. it. But how does that help you survive? How does any of that help them survive in a way that they couldn't have without it?
0: What do you I mean, mean I, like I, the I, just the against the um, radioactive stuff, or you mean?
2: Well, that's just the night blood. Like, okay, I get it. The night blood helps them mm-hmm. against the radiation. What does the flame do? How does the flame help them survive?
0: I, so I mean, the whole point was our artificial intelligence was supposed to help humans so but clearly that backfired so like you were saying this was supposed to work with humans but still provide like the same like boost in like um problem solving while that's what i was saying so it
2: just made them smarter because because this is crucial this can help save us all well
0: i think it it was supposed to be like level maybe it's like the level-headedness and i I talk a little bit about this in my – or I have this in my notes where um, we see um, Flame Maddie has no problem just pulling the trigger for the greater good. Like she literally did not blink, which is not the Maddie we've seen leading up to this, which is – this is where we talked about consent earlier. And this is where I had – I know when she was saving Bellamy and stuff, but this is like a guy by himself at gunpoint.
1: No, 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 but, the, but um, I guess my question is, the last episode, she didn't understand, and, and maybe it's just the AI calculating the risk. She had a problem with Clark shooting Lex's former guard. Right. Yeah. Versus this allegiance- After he kneeled. Versus, versus this allegiance man who she just watched murder Her five people. people. So the AI is calculating the risk.
0: Yes, because the other guy was clearly not a threat versus this one. It was like, there are more variables, but like Maddie, Maddie, Maddie
1: would never have done either
0: way. It was like, what if they're a good guy? (laughs) Well,
1: unless, unless um, Matt, we are now watching Maddie, regardless of the AI go on the same journey that we watched the delinquents go on, which is she has been through a series. of. I mean, how many times has she almost been executed Been hardened? So. But we
0: didn't see her make that cho- that choice by herself. And, like, here's where I talk about, like, so w- we talked about consent with um getting the AI, but my issue now is, does Maddie have, like, like, her own, does she, like, have control of her own consent and keeping it in, or is the flame keeping itself in? And, like, that's the part that, like, started to really, like, bother me, because I think that, like... It should be taken out. And once it is out of her, then Maddie can decide whether she wants to put it back in or not. Because right now, like, I don't trust her saying, like, I would just put it back in. You
1: know? Uh, that's that's a valid point. On the other hand, uh-huh. that, that, that's a valid point. On the other hand, um, and and, and, to, and just in response to that, we there's no way we can know until it's out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. However, the, I think they did build Maddie along since... 501 as somebody that grew up listening to stories believing in these tales of heroes and leaders Mm -hmm. and so when she says things like commanders don't run and she wants to go back it's falling in line with sort of her romanticizing of what what the what the commander means and what I mean now she's living the stories that Clark told her all along possibly but
0: i do think a lot of that is coming from the flame or at least that's the impression that i got but like i think that's totally possible
2: well this goes back to what i asked last time because now it sounds like you're saying that you don't trust that the person who's taken the flame is really themselves Ye- right I, yes and that's what because I, I was asking like we said that about the the chip ali's chip mm mm-hmm. That when you take it, you're not yourself anymore. And and I was like, well, isn't the flame the same way? Because people do change. Like, Maddie But we this change. is the
0: first time we've, like, seen it to, we've like, seen the this... bo-
1: Well, we've never seen the before and after.
0: Yeah, because when Clark mm-hmm. was immediately in the City of Lights, we didn't really get to see the difference because, like, it was an artificial world altogether. And, like, it didn't seem like a different Clark. But Clark was always that person who would, like, make calculated decisions...
1: Well, I mean, except this, you know, when she took the flame and she's like, it'll protect me. I just know that was, that was, that was creepy. (laughs) But I mean, other than that, we haven't had like a before and after the way that we do with Maddie. And it's, uh, yeah, yeah. it's interesting. It really is.
2: It brings up, brings up, brings back all those questions about personal identity and like, Mm -hmm. How, when can we say that you're the same person, and when not? Because like, Agreed. If you if you met Maddie five years later and she was the way that she is now with the flame, you would not say that it's not the same person. Mm-hmm. You'd just say, well, she changed. Now, can she change overnight and still be the same person, or does that always mean that she's not the same person anymore? Or is it because some physical thing changed her? Like, what if you have an accident and you lose some of your memories or you get dementia? or some sort of other disease, like do, do you are you not the same person anymore? Right. That's
0: interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, it does feel that an artificial not part of your body um, making the mm-hmm. change is different, but like that's a really interesting point. Um,
1: right, or, or is it different? I mean, part of what I was thinking about is, does it, I mean, it's, it's a little bit hard now. It's interesting because it's, on the one hand, if you think about season two, and when we first met Lexa and heard about Lexa, they had never even thought of the flame, <laughs> probably <laughs> story-wise, other than that one comment in the Panna episode where she was like, the spirit of, of the commanders will choose my Successful. successor. But the interesting thing is, number one, Indra and others have talked about Lexa as different from... All the other commanders. Now, all of those commanders have the flame in their head. Mm-hmm. That's a great so, point. So does the flame augment people's inherent characteristics? And I think that they actually said that
0: in World. They said that, at, yeah. Yeah, they said like it, it enhances what's already there.
1: I think Titus said that, yeah.
0: But he's, I mean, he's not the most trustworthy person, but. <laughs> yeah. So
1: is that perhaps, I mean, because if you, one of the recon issues Mm -hmm. that I have with it is I love the character of Lexa, but Lexa was a very, she was a complex character and she did not always make decisions that, I mean, it's interesting now, the flame in Maddie seems to be driving her to, I mean, I guess the slashing the throat is a little bit, problematic but but she doesn't she doesn't want to leave people behind to die right like Mm -hmm. she has a problem with leaving bellamy and indra and gaia behind to die that same flame advised lexa to leave clark and everybody at the mountain and made a utilitarian decision whereas it
0: seems uh, to enhance the my people argument well (laughs) it's
1: just it's interesting now going back and thinking about Lex's decisions in season two when they didn't have the flame in mind and thinking about Tom DC Mm -hmm. and, and leaving them at the gates of Mount Weather. And that's the flame advising them now. It's, it's an AI in addition to the wisdom of 20 something previous leaders. It's just a really interesting, like if you were to go back and watch season two now, the further along we get in this mythology, it just gets more and more complex how we think about it.
2: Yeah, Yeah. except back in season two, they probably weren't planning on the flame. No, came.
1: for sure, for sure. But yeah. but, <laughs> yeah. but, that's but now part of the... But it's now part now of the... Now it has ma- to be consistent. No, we just yeah. have to <laughs> hand it in as best, as, best we can. Well, not only that, but are we supposed to ascribe... Like, as the viewer, let's say in two episodes from now, or even in this episode, when Maddie is arguing with a other character about the best course of action or what is what what's the strategic course of action what's the moral and what prism are you looking through when you're looking through moral is she supposed to have some sort of hers is objectively the most strategic answer
0: yeah when is she supposed to yield to somebody else's advice or idea
1: because Lexa certainly did, right? Yeah. Blood, blood must not have blood came from Clark, not yeah. from the flame. So yeah. I mean, it's just it, it, I don't know. Like I I that's just what I've been thinking about. Like, how does this all fit together? And then going forward, we have one character that is currently being assisted by an AI running all of the scenarios in her head. And so she's got a better than an average human mind understanding of how the, all these things are gonna game out.
2: Mm-hmm. In fact, when Lexa switched to blood, must not have blood. The flame warned her. Uh, she had a ni- nightmare episode where she said, "The flame. The commanders are warning me that this is not a good idea."
0: Mm. Mm. Um, That's true. Why wasn't that a good idea? I mean, Jill. She, she did die, but
2: yeah. <laughs> uh...
1: Well, so is the flame then assisting the person using it? To, to survive, to survive, to maintain power, to a utilitarian, more people surviving than others. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I think we we're thinking about this more than the writers probably have. <laughs> <laughs> no offense no my, my favorite um. thing is like
0: I think we talked about this before but how like they'll, they'll answer questions sometimes they'll be like Wait, what episode was that I'm like that was episode six and that was in like the 22nd minute <laughs> and I'm just like how do you not know that but then at the same time I think it was Kim Shumway was um, posted a thread from some other writer where they're like the reason why we are unsure in these questions is because we we're trying to remember what version of the script ended up becoming like the episode and like Uh what changes happened on set and like you know and and we talked about the story three thousand times and like what we settled on is not always what we remember (laughs) and i was just like fuck that makes so much
1: sense um
2: yeah and there are directing decisions and acting decisions that that influence a lot of the way things look yeah
1: yeah i do think jason rothenberg tweeted one answer out saying i don't think this is that big a deal but i think it said the flame impacts each commander differently
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: was that bubs do you remember seeing that i yes recently i mean
2: that's pretty much what titus also said yeah
1: no 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 i'm sorry he said the flame takes some getting used to oh that's right for every commander so we're oh, watching that's
2: interesting. So
1: we're watching Maddie on a learning curve. Mm. And so that's also maybe the nightmares. Maybe you don't, you know, maybe you get you're able to control it, and that's why we saw maybe
2: Lex- it's just like the Lexa nightmares. Lexa meditating. Are just, yeah, maybe the nightmares are just like you being updated and right. like it updates your brain and then that's then you're done.
1: <laughs> right. And and you learn how to control it, like we saw Lexa meditating.
2: Hmm. Do you guys have anything else before we read Joe's stuff?
0: No, mm, no. Nope, nope.
2: All right. Um, who wants to read Joe's statement?
0: Um, I mean, I'll read it if you want me to. I don't mind.
2: Okay. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> okay. My name is Bubs, and I will play the role of Joe, our resident yeah, gay. Try as much take. as best <laughs> as
2: you can to do Joe voice. <laughs> I'm really yours. bad at voices.
1: If you have not
0: noticed, but, every but time I
1: pretend, what you have to introduce it. You know how you have to introduce it. Uh, uh
0: no, not to be whatever. Oh, not to be whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me say this, Joe. Not to be whatever. <laughs> She's not as excited when I as when I say it. Um, okay, Joe's resident gay a take, Not to be whatever. <laughs> glad to see the flame is still in play and being brought into even more mythology but let's just cool our fucking jets with certain folks <laughs> calling for the flame to be smashed first of all looks like we're having some important mythology absolutely Um. second holy shit for just one second about what that would look like literally the third time Lexa would have been killed on the show also <laughs> let's just hope that the commander spirits are allowed to choose What gets shown to the new commanders? Winky winky. Um, If you're pissed at the flame because you see it as something preventing your ship, I'd seriously reevaluate your confidence in that ship. If you want the flame out of play because you think it's uh, boring, please explain to me why you're watching sci-fi. (laughs) <laughs> prediction. Group of people stays behind on Earth after Elijah Three comes down. Maddie perhaps chooses to stay and gives Clark the chip to take with her since she can also wear it now that she's a Nightblood. And it probably has some very important Becca information on it. Interesting. Mm.
2: Yeah, Discuss. the prediction is super interesting. <laughs>
1: and I, you know why? Do you know why I love the prediction? Because mm-hmm. I will say, I. Absolutely agree. Like, I can't even imagine how horrible it'd be if they smashed. Like, why, why you would want like what that means to some you. Like, why you would want? Th- I don't understand. Why you I would understand want
0: that. the frustration based on PTS three, but it's like I, all of that frustration. We we like need to remember that that's fandom related, and that's like not that that does not take into account like real feelings that people have in regards to this storyline um and so no we are not pro smashing on this
1: podcast
2: (laughs) yeah no i mean i have always complained about the mythology not um being like uh enduring enough i've always complained about how the world building doesn't sort of carry through and they sort of like do like an etch a sketch and do it all over. And the flame is sort of the only running thread that's you know everything is hanging by, and it so I everything. definitely think that's a good. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was
1: thinking. So it, it, it when it first was when it first entered the narrative, it connected grounders to sky crew. It's now connecting the past to the present, to Elegious, to whatever Elegious 3, I'm, I'm hoping because we've been yeah. teased about them and we, we keep seeing Becca's corporate logo. So it's the thing that ties everything together. I think it's also a symbol of what I hope the show is building toward in learning from your mistakes. And I mean, it is literally an object that contains the wisdom of past leaders and mistakes they've made <laughs> and what they've learned from it. I will say why I like Joe's prediction is on the one hand, I'm so excited about the potential for expanding the world and the mythology of the show, and I love how they're using the flame in a, what I hope will be a new way with building respect,
0: upon the mystery. Yeah,
1: right. With respect to, I hope it's going to fold Allegis into this fabric of the story. What I'm yeah. what I'm not excited about is I hope that almost now five seasons of exploring how people relate to their leaders and how people make decisions and how people are governed, that we are not leading to everybody bending the knee to another queen. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that the flame is going to be used in a new way and not just that Maddie is like the new anointed commander that everyone's going to follow instead of figuring out how to make decisions for themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same thing when I'm watching Game of Thrones, like, is it really like I'm hoping at the end, nobody ends up on the throne because hopefully the lesson that we've learned through all these books and all these seasons is that having one person in charge with absolute power is not awesome. So let's try, let's try (laughs) something, let's try something else. So that, so I grown at the let's kneel to our Heda Heda and let's have another commander and follow because Bend I, the knee. <laughs> well <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean well right I mean I, I groan at that because we have been watching all season a cautionary tale about depending on who you have in that role, that's not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I love Joe's prediction because it's building on the mythology, but then it's using it for a different purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is, let's not choose leaders by conclave and shoving an AI in their head. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, um, moving on. <laughs> let's say a few words about sexy Allegius, which wasn't that sexy this time. Um, <laughs> I mean, we don't no, really have I much disagree. To say about it.
0: Vincent's chomping skills was super oh, yeah? sexy.
2: <laughs>
0: no, Bubs. that
2: a turn on? For uh, you, Bob? I
0: thought his incisors were very pointy.
1: Bubs, I don't share that feeling, but I did have a moment um when Abby was trying to convince him to get the medicine for him for mm-hmm. her. And he did that little like, oh, like this little like tell me what you want me to do. And I was like, oh damn it. Now Bubs is in my head and he is a little sexy. And it's- <laughs> I told
0: you! Wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna Skype you guys a picture I found of him. Um, oh sh <laughs>
1: Oh my god, we're gonna become the podcast that like starts to correspond with serial killers in jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. god. I, I will say, can I I will say the one positive thing. While mm-hmm. it was not for me personally the most riveting part of the episode, a lot of the complaints I heard on this and other podcasts and in the fandom, which I agreed with, was that we were getting a story about Abby's addiction that was not about Abby. It was like through everybody else's eyes, how they viewed it and how it hurt them. And I thought this was an episode both through the way it was written and performed and the way Henry Ian Cusick chose to portray it. That was very much through Abby's point of view and giving her a struggle which is really interesting, right? Like you're a doctor and you've taken an oath. She should not be withholding treatment from McCreary period. But she right. has decided, I don't want to treat this person because he's horrible. Interesting choice for a doctor to make number one. Mm-hmm. And then and then they've given her this internal battle of fighting her symptoms of withdrawal versus treating him and getting her fix. And it's, uh, for at least for me as the viewer, it let me see her addiction... And how, what she's facing and how horrible it is through her eyes. Mm -hmm. Which I don't think we had gotten a chance to see that up until this point.
0: I agree. Yeah.
1: It still, it still leaves us in a super bad place. (laughs) Like, (laughs) in terms of, and they also, Shaheen, I thought of when you read that really powerful description from your friend, um, mm-hmm. about addiction and mental illness versus disease. Did you note that, um, McCreary said, let's see which one wins out your disease right. or mine?
2: Yeah. He called it a disease. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that. Uh, I did notice that. That's interesting. Um, I mean, he's from oh my- our time. Right. And so, right. Yeah. That's kind of like we're trying to get people to think of addiction as a disease these days, right? So it mm-hmm. was
1: interesting. Oh, my God. Bubs just sent us this super hot picture of Vincent. And what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> yeah, Do I you see it? it?
2: <laughs> well, it's not Vincent, but the act- actor.
1: Yeah. Anyways, I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's a handsome man. It's fucked up. Well, he's
2: not bald in this picture, so... What? Wait, is not bald in the show either. Mm-mm. No, he's not. What is? But he his just his has, hair has is old different.
1: lady glasses. No, he has like a closely cropped hair, and I think they put a lot of gel in it.
0: Oh, is that it?
1: Uh-huh. It must have been. They must have retrieved it from the ark, or Kane and Bellamy left it behind. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so all I had to say about this section was that um, Diozo's book looks awesome. And mm-hmm. um, there's, like, a little domically sword that she had to draw for herself for some reason. And then um, and then there's the launch codes, um, which I wonder if that's going to come into play. And then there's a speech that she prepared, uh, which is, which like, is her...
0: so dorky. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I like how, like, she crossed out some parts and, and like, she really worked on it. And She yes.
0: did. <laughs> no, and, and, and this is, like, as someone who is not, like, um... Someone who like Speech gets maker. really like nervous in speeches, like I always have to like over plan it. Um mm-hmm. and so like I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time it makes her a big dork.
2: <laughs> yeah. And there was like one sentence that was like, and you will burn or something. And she was like, nah, this is a little over the top. And so she <laughs> <laughs> crossed it out. Um but anyway She's like, a little just, too like...
0: extra. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Don't want to yeah. drag
0: them too much.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it was her ultimatum for supposedly when they come back and they assumed that there was mm-hmm. still going to be civilization and they said, let's let us integrate or we'll burn you and stuff. So I don't know if that part will become important later. Um, I think Cece, you had some thoughts on that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean the last to the the finale part one and part two are called Damocles. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if we've talked about it before, but there's two different, and and there's been a lot of really great speculation in the fandom about it. But um, two possible references, or actually the second refers to the first. But um, Damocles is commonly referred to as the Sword of Damocles, which is what Dioza drew. It's an allusion. I'm sorry, I'm going to read from the eminent Wikipedia text. An allusion to the imminent and ever-present peril faced by those in positions of power. Damocles was an obsequious courtier in the court of Dionysius II of Syracuse, who was a tyrant leader in Sicily. Mm-hmm. So it could so that's sort of the first reference and then who pulled up the the planets? Shaheen, did you have Yeah. That?
2: So it's also um so 5335 Damocles is a group of planets. It's is a centaur and a group of Minor planets that are apparently it says which are inactive nuclei of the um, Halley type and long period um, comets. So, um, yeah, and that so is that um, the planet part? Is that like foreshadowing?
1: Well, I mean, I I think it's twofold. I mean, I think the first is probably going to refer to. Any number of people who are in a decision-making position by the mm. finale, right? Right. Um, but the second between, we have the possibility, we have the capability of cryosleep. We mm-hmm. have a reference to Allegis Three, which is out there somewhere and
0: in a solar system with two suns. Oh yeah. yeah. What's what's the two sun <laughs> reference? There may be. A, um, There may be in the cap the solar system Kepler 47.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think some of the speculation so you have that you have a capability of long term space travel that we didn't have on the show previously. We know that they love to mix it up and make things really different season to season. They keep talking about how the end of this season is going to blow our minds in a new way, and we know that there's a mystery guest star shannon kook for the finale who we've never seen before so i think kind of putting this all together and the fa- i mean for me they hired somebody from the expanse <laughs> for the writing team yes.
0: that- somebody who's been following alicia forever and alicia is so blark
1: so i am here for this
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway um So I think putting that all together, I think it could be both foreshadowing for where they're going as well as the position the leaders are going to find themselves in. And then, Sheehan, the point you raised about launch codes and referring again to uh, whatever this season's version of hydrazine is. I forget what it's called.
2: Hethelodium.
1: So that's been mm-hmm. dropped a couple times. Raven's right. mentioned it. And so one thing I was wondering is if there's been so many things this season that have been parallels to season one. And season one ends with Clark using a like rocket fuel to blow up the attacking enemy. So if McCreary now has that, has the launch codes and has an army attacking, is he going to pull a Clark but to horrible consequences i mean in blowing up eden.
2: Yeah. The ship, the eye in the sky are, 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 like The ship is itself a damocles sword hanging over their head too. So it's it's actually threefold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um anything else about damocles
1: other than i'm just like super nerdy excited about it? No. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah so um this was super cool we'll see how it plays out uh, i feel like if if he drops the Hethalodium on eden well like a lot of these scenarios that we're predicting they in- in- involve the earth becoming completely uninhabitable and then like that means season six has to be in, in space or like on a different planet
1: i just right? don't see i mean the fact that uh, the fact that this last place is called eden Mm -hmm. And mankind is expelled from Eden. That Mm, I feel like, you know what I mean? Like this uh, this is all set up to be unable to stay. Like that's the Mm -hmm. mythology. So I don't know if that's going to be, you know, we'll be there at the end of the season of, how could we have thought that it would have worked out <laughs> when the yeah. place is called when the place is called Eden and the whole season is about like the, the sins of man that they keep committing over and over again? Um, yeah. Or do we actually break like Monty or Cain break the cycle and somebody does get to stay? I, maybe one group gets to stay, but not everybody. I, I don't know.
2: Yeah, but
1: but it does keep hitting me in the face of why do I think this is going to end well when it's called mm-hmm. Eden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. And it's yeah. this show. Yeah, right. and yeah. And I mean the other thing is you have these two I was thinking about after this episode you have these two and this maybe is a good segue to the one crew story but you have two Edens that are almost like uh stranger things in the upside down world. Like you have Eden above on the ground which is mm-hmm. like this uh, pristine oasis almost un, you know for a period of time untouched Except for two people, um, you know, not an Adam and an Eve, but a Clark and a Maddie. Um, and then below ground, you have, like in the upside down world, you have Eden, which apparently is the source of really, really shady shit. Um, and so I just think it's interesting that you have these two one above ground, one below ground, one obviously uh, the source of the darkier. Um, it's just really interesting imagery. Yeah. And Octavia even alluded to it in this episode, making fun of Monty and Harper. Like they were, oh, you're just like some kind of Adam and Eve hanging out in your Eden. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: And there were references to apples. I mean, Dioza dropped some apples. And
1: it was an apple and blossom. And there was
2: some apple blossom, yeah.
1: Yeah, so. you're right. Oh, the <laughs> catch. Although yeah, in
2: some cool. version of the story, it's wheat, but yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're just
2: um,
0: going deep there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's all, all. The symbolism is there.
0: Well, for me, like the in-show symbolism um, that it made me think of was when Monty was holding that little like bud of a of a tree. I'm it reminds tree. me of Kane's mom, who was holding that like oh, bonsai yeah. tree, mm-hmm. and yeah. she was just waiting to like plant it on earth. Yeah. And so, like, will that like it gave me hope that Monty will make it through to next season and. Hopefully, the journey that they're going on through space, um, to take that tree
1: to oh. yeah. wherever they're going. Also, <laughs> what just on that one little flower scene before we dig into like the meteor part of it, I as somebody smart pointed out if you remember in the pilot, Octavia being in awe of those purple orchids. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? And like Finn was gonna put one in her hair, but it turns out that they're like super. Like they give you a rash or whatever, like you didn't touch them, but um, or maybe that, was, or maybe that was just Finn, but um, like oh,
0: Finn, they um, you horrible human. You know,
1: it's, it's kind, you know, like Octavia and the flowers in the pilot and being in awe of it to seeing one and just plucking it <laughs> and just like to crush it. Yeah. 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 So
2: with that, let's mm-hmm. um, let's move on to one crew um yeah so what do we have to say about this shit show i mean octavia right
0: (laughs) (laughs) um and i mean i i so like you have a hard time with it i think i like the hard part is we do not know what happened in the dark year so there's nothing for us to base this extremism on, which is very difficult, and which is why um, I talked about this offline. But I felt that I wish this episode was the build up to the next episode, Dark Year, so that we could get both the downfall of Octavia with, um, excuse me, the explanation as as to how she got there. Um, because splitting up it up into two episodes has not felt like natural to this show it's just felt very like delayed and slow (laughs) and and i normally don't see that um for shows that focus on character moments but in the terms of the blakes like we are not progressing this is just like bellamy continuously being like okay but why are we here Like, how did we get here?
1: Okay, so let's take this. Should we break this up into pieces? Because there's a lot. Break it down, Cece. If Joe
2: was here, she'd be like, okay, A.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> not to be what not to be
0: whatever. Not but to a. be whatever. <laughs> slash <laughs> The cutting edge nineties reference. Which we have not had a nineties reference, so somebody please make up one.
2: So then oh, we Yeah. Do not oh,
0: yeah. Sure.
1: Um, okay, so just to break it down because there's two different I think there's Octavia as an individual character and interacting with people that are some of the most important relationships she has on the show. Mm -hmm. And then the larger political Octavia as a tyrant dictator story. Um, With respect specifically to the Blakes, it is, I I absolutely feel the frustration of, oh my God, we've been watching season three I mean, since midway point of season three, it's been hell to be a fan of the Blake siblings, right? Like we've gotten, what, like one hug before Prime fire and a radio call and a hug in five, for 503. And it's never been lasting. However, however, I on rewatch, and I absolutely felt that way the first time we watched it. On rewatch, with both Indra and Bellamy, Octavia, for somebody who's saying that she's dead inside, is the most open and emotional to both Indra and Bellamy. And and maybe it's because she thinks they're both about to die about what they mean to her and what they've done for her in her life. It's like, have we ever heard Octavia say to Indra, the day you asked me to be your second is the was the best day of my life. Um, mm-hmm. and all of the things she said, it's a lovely scene. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a scene that goes all the way back to season two and her finding herself and what Indra says to her, that strength was always there. It, and, and she's begging Indra to give her a way out. Help me think of something else. And then, you know, in season four, you had Octavia rock bottom basically being like, I want, I would, I would kill you for Lincoln's death if you weren't my brother. Um, but she's having flashbacks to him taking care of her as a child. She's remembering memories. And I don't know if it's because she, for the last six years has been put in the position of being a caretaker to other people or having this burden of leadership, but she has never talked about in like a... It's, I don't want, it's hard when she's like a tyrant and has blood on her face to call her acting mature. But the way she was talking to her brother and appreciating the role he played in her life was coming from a place of emotional maturity that I haven't heard from her ever.
0: ever. Yeah. So
1: while they did not end up with like moving forward in a new dynamic and as a brother and sister that are more on a, on the same level playing field instead of what they've always had with him being almost like a surrogate parrot mm-hmm. there was a difference in the way she was relating to people that i it was when i went back and watched those individual scenes i mean either they're doing it to make it really really hurt if she dies
0: i i feel like that's what it's
1: gonna be or one of them is gonna die Indra's, indra could die or it's Part, it's it's the road back to helping us like i don't like to say redemption because i don't think characters need to be necessarily redeemed yeah, but to, I but, agree. To, but to under
2: well
1: <laughs> i mean i don't per, i don't per, i don't personally need characters to be redeemed but i need to yeah, understand neither. i need to understand Fair. their yes. i don't need i don't need to i need to understand their motivations and why they did something you
0: can't be expected to hand wave that a character is just like everybody else in world, well, I, just because I, the show says so.
1: I, 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 it's me personally that if someone's being emotionally cold to everyone in their life and not explaining their actions, then I have a tougher time with that character. <laughs> Reminding us and Octavia letting the mask of Blood reina slip more than she ever has Mm-hmm. With particularly with Bellamy since the beginning of this season.
0: Well, it seems though it se- it really seems, um, which I feel like is so worth noting that with Octavia, there is an acceptance among the people closest to her and Indra and Gaia that the the thing that whatever she puts on is for the crowd. It is not for the people who are close to her. Like they all know that she is not this like stone wall and
1: Which was, I think that
0: that's very important
1: well it was also interesting because Shaheen you had a note that she and I noticed you know the scene with Miller and I don't know the name of the woman who's originally from a grounder clan who's more pro Maddie Octavia wants to hear her dissenting opinion yes I that's, have the same yeah that's very, that was very
2: strange to me but she
1: doesn't want fans. No, but it's private. But Shaheen, it's in private.
2: Well, yes. sure, but like, okay. I mean, it's one thing if she wants to hear different sides, which is already surprising to me. She it didn't look like she was willing to hear different sides, but but this goes beyond that because she. Uh, She says some pretty ballsy stuff. Like, she tells Octavia to kneel before Maddie. I would have thought she would die right there for suggesting that. that.
0: It's telling us something that, like, Octavia was not about surrounding herself with sycophants. It was about understanding what was going on. And she, like, I believe that she truly does think that what she is doing is what's best for everybody. And her blind spot has a lot to do with whatever she sacrificed for the dark year that she feels it needs to be, it needs to feel like it was, it had to happen that she had to do it or else she doesn't know how she's going to live with herself.
1: Well, and also it's interesting because it's also, she she was unwilling to be questioned earlier in the season by Bellamy in public, Mm -hmm. in in front of people. And, and again, this the battle in the ring is about maintaining power and control in front of the masses
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um and interestingly in that i mean in that fight when gaia throws the spear at her Mm -hmm. didn't you think that she was then going to kill gaia but she doesn't i mean despite the fact that somebody just threw a spear at her head she picks it up throws it back in the ring and says follow the rules
2: i don't know i mean We've seen Octavia uh, talk to people in private, and as soon as they bring up the dark ear, she's like, "Don't talk to me about the dark ear. You can't really get counsel if you tell people to not if you don't let them speak freely. She's not the type she hasn't been presented as the type of person who in private is willing to hear all sides
1: well she heard she heard Indra. In, I mean, she oh, she didn't take Indra's advice, but Indra was disagreeing with her in private.
2: And she told her to fuck off. She told her to get out of the room.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, but she she
2: and she threatened her. She said, "I'll throw I throw you in the pit."
1: I just I saw in this episode a bizarre juxtaposition of looking for a way out to not be a tyrant. And trying to listen to dissenting points of view, but ultimately unable to get there. Um, And then taking, obviously, at the end, drastic action that takes away everybody else's free will to make a different choice. Um, But I I don't know. Like, I I mean, we're getting off track. But just with respect to the Blakes, I thought that there was a little bit of movement from Octavia, whereas in the past, it's always been coming from Bellamy. Mm-hmm. And and this time Bellamy was just kind of like, du- not done. Like I'm done with you, but just like calling out, this is bullshit. Can I can I you- talk about something that bothered me?
2: Sure.
0: So, Always. um, <laughs> especially so,
2: things that bothered.
0: Yeah. Well, with like, and and this may go back to like the conversation we had before in terms of like family versus like chosen family, but like, um. We're supposed to believe that, like, Bellamy, like, upholds this these people he hung out with for six years. Not people he chose to hang out with, but, like, got stuck with for six years in space above his sister. When she, above the people who were already, like, her family relations before she was in the bunker, meaning Indra and Indra's daughter, you know, they already had a, like, her and Indra already had a big, like, a very strong bond. Like, Gaia... Gaia, I feel like, was a package deal that she came to terms with, as any older sibling does. Because when my sister was born, I was like, can we return her? Which the answer was obviously no. Um, and so <laughs> I feel that, like, I, that was kind of the show being, like, inconsistent with terms of, like, Bellamy has this new family that's, like, so important. But, like, Octavia is still Team Bellamy. But Bellamy is not Team Blake's anymore. Mm. And well, to me, that was, like, rude.
1: Well, Octavia's <laughs> not willing to... But she is to an extent. She's not willing to blow it up. I mean, she goes forward with the mini-conclave. But she...
0: she When she's when it's pitted against Indra and Gaia, she chooses Bellamy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, mm-hmm. I felt like so that was, like... So you're saying by
2: the same logic, if Bellamy is closer to the space crew now, then... No, Octavia's why would he be closer to, closer to them?
0: Why? Because he's the loyal one. He's the one that like has a special bond with her because he is her parental figure above all else.
1: Well, I, 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 I mean, at the beginning of this season, even when he was up with them in space crew, I mean, when he was staring out the window and desperate to get back, it was about Octavia. It was about Octavia. But he ultimately chose. I mean, the only reason why they're at odds right now is because of the way that she's acting.
0: Yes, but like. When she is trying to connect back with him, and especially when she chooses him over Indra um, and Gaia, like, she's she's making that conscious choice. And Bellamy is, again, like, not trying. Like, I know that Bellamy has tried to reason with her before, but he's never tried to reason with her, like, on the basis of them being family. <laughs> I, at least that's not, like, what I've seen. I, I, I really think that, like, he hasn't really tried at all. Um, he's just expected her to accept things that, like, are obviously very hard for her to accept, and been, like, upset when she doesn't immediately, despite the fact that it took him three years to accept the same conclusion, um, which is just ridiculous. And I, I just, like, I don't, I know that we're supposed to be seeing like, best Bellamy, but, like, that sounds like more on Bellamy, in my opinion. Um, and it's a little inconsistent. Um,
2: Sorry, I'm confused. So are you saying... I thought you you were saying was that Octavia should have picked Indra over Bellamy. Based on what the show
0: saying? has been telling us so far, this six-year time jump is a lot of time. Well, but everyone's according different. According to the show. <laughs> well, but Everyone is different, but like... But like in in terms of like in what we discussed before is like as the eldest sibling you have you feel this this deeper pull to protect than than the younger sibling so having bellamy um choose his his space family that he didn't really choose he just ended up in space with them for 6 years you know um having him prioritize them above Octavia, who has obviously been in a very compromised situation, not of her own making. Like, this happened, and she had to do the best. She she did not have Bellamy's guidance. Like, the way he says, I wish I would have been there to take this burden off of you. He, He was not there to do that. And so, it's like judging Octavia on being in this position and doing whatever decision she had, yet he's not He's just kind of dismissive of whatever she went through. Wait, and like, can we take
1: a moment? Can we take yes. a moment? Yeah. How, how great is that after season three, Octavia and Bellamy? Like, I think it's fantastic. Octavia has been a character that for seasons mm-hmm. was never in the driver's seat of making decisions. Yes. And was always the one... Who sometimes, and a lot of times, at least in season two and season three, I agreed with her, but was the one calling out Bellamy and Clark, whether it was Ton DC, whether it was Pike, like whatever is saying, you shouldn't have done that. And then it was always Clark and Bellamy being like, well, you weren't there and you weren't in that position and you don't understand what it was like. And now it's flipped. And it's, I love it. It, I love it too, but.
0: But I feel like Bellamy should understand more because he has been in that position and I know that they they have that moment where he says, like shouldn't I understand? um and, and I know that like she doesn't yield. but like I feel like a lot of that is this like weird intersection of like him having another family, which I I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, I don't know what to make of all of this.
1: Well, I mean, like- I'll be I'll be honest. I feel like every mm-hmm. time. I feel bad, but every time he has to say my family, which he freaking says yeah. it every every episode now. I'm kind Fair. of I'm kind of like, well then show don't tell me. Because yeah. if you're if you're having to tell me every episode
0: and remind us that Harper isn't a ghost.
1: Oh <laughs> man. I don't know. I but I mean, so anyway, it's it, I don't want to like go on and on about the Blakes, but she did you guys have anything else what, about
2: So what was the um when Bob's, you said that Bellamy prioritizes space crew over Octavia now. What is the evidence for that?
0: Um, Specifically that... When he poisoned that her. he poisoned her? Kind of.
2: Because you could argue that that was because there was a lot more at stake. Like, it's not just the space crew like he's worried about... Well, no, it's
0: the Clark. The ...human like, survival. And Clark. Um, but, um... And Clark. No, no, no. It's it's that, like, when, from the beginning of this, like, Bellamy has come to Octavia from a position where I have these other allegiances and and priorities. And so that's, like, not something that Octavia understands because it's never been a factor of their relationship. They've always been number one priority to Mm -hmm. each other to an extent. And so... It's it's tragic in that like Octavia still still holds that as truth like she still despite spending 6 years with Indra and Gaia in the bunker as her like right hand people still chooses Bellamy but he doesn't mm-hmm. choose her.
1: Well, and I but but I mean one difference If you go back to the scene between Indra Indra and Octavia, it sounds like these last six years have been a strain on their relationship rather than bringing them closer together. And when she's bonding with Indra in the cell before the fight, which she's holding on to in terms of their closeness and emotional bond is what happened before the bunker, not in it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that might be part of the the contrast between what Bellamy's existence was like in space versus Octavia was sounds like she was like in a living hell.
2: Yeah. Um, tell us about this uh, analogy with Nero, Cece, Octavia as yeah. Nero.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's fun because one of the writers just liked it on Twitter. So that's fun. So maybe it was something that they were... Um, I don't know. Who knows? But, um, so Nero was the last, technically the last emperor of the Roman Empire, um, What's his, what's his, you know, actual fact versus like the legend, but he was, you know, if you think of like mad Nero, it's literally like an emperor laughing at Rome burning. Um, And what's fact versus fiction? I don't know, but he was known for excesses. He was known for being a tyrant. He was known for trying his courtiers for treason um he was eventually deposed and then killed himself after the sentence of being an enemy of the state was handed down um so the the fact that in the episode Bellamy reminds us that Octavia has created this world and persona from her childhood stories and there there's been so much rome symbolism and mythology throughout this season with the bunker i i think it was at least um you know, an allusion to Nero and the burning of Rome and what Octavia eventually does with burning the garden um, below. And I think it's also interesting because you have Octavia becoming sort of this pseudo commander, but kind of a bastardized version of it. And Nero was the last um perhaps octavia is going to be the last now i already mentioned before i'm really hoping we don't go back to a monarchy on the show um but i immediately thought of nero when she turned and looked like the mad dictator with the burning background
2: Hmm. yeah that's very interesting especially with the burning of rome the uh, parallel <laughs> mm-hmm. i have to say the the whole optics, I don't know if that's the right word for politics of this doesn't add up for me with the whole um, people's allegiance to Octavia. So we were told that 50% of the population is already against Octavia and they want a commander. They they believe in a commander, so they don't give Octavia any legitimacy in their mind. Um, and then after Monty's reveal, I assume some people from the other 50% who were loyal to Octavia also turned. Because um, otherwise, what's the point, right? So I, I I take it the whole thing was like, yeah, now it, no one trusts her because she lied and, and all that. Um, so she's lost all manner of legitimacy at this point. Maybe except for uh, fucking Miller, and <laughs> whoever the other grounder girl is. No one really cares Me about lot? her anymore. <laughs> Is that mm-hmm. her name?
0: No, Nyla.
2: Uh, Ni- oh, N Oh yeah. Nyla. Where is Nyla by the way? Um <laughs> So yeah, um so why is anyone still marching behind her? I mean, I understand that they have no choice but to go to the valley, but Literally they don't no have choice. to fight.
1: They have no choice, but did you see But they uh, don't
2: I- have to fight. All they have to do at this they have to do at this point since they still think Dioza's deal is in effect.
1: We don't know if they ha- they're going to fight. We don't know if they're going to fight. Oh, uh, I mean,
2: okay. Well, I just right? thought like they could have just assassinated Octavia right there. Like when she emerged from the temple, Like someone could have just killed her right there and it would problem solve. Because like, no one cares anymore. It's, no one's going to kill anyone for killing Octavia anymore.
1: Well, I mean, I think the interesting thing is um, if you, th- when I watched that episode again, when you watch that scene again and you think back to the sandstorm episode, Mm-hmm. And you contrast the unity and the fervor of the people, and the following willingness her, yeah, right to their they made a point of showing how like listless and hopeless all the faces were of the people following her. And if you notice, she did not address the crowd. She took mm-hmm. her backpack and just started going and it was Miller who mm-hmm. addressed the crowd. Fucking um, Miller. But, but I mean so she's but <laughs> I was wrong, I'm sorry. Well but, and then, She's
2: more hawkish than uh, he's more hawkish than Octavia.
1: And so you but you have these listless faces, then they go to Gaia and her and her cadre, that's they're marching to go find Maddie. Then you leave, like, the camera ends with, they fade away, and then the camera ends up on Monty, Harper, Ghost Harper, and Bellamy, and they're going for their family. So everyone's going in the same direction, but not for the same reason. Family,
0: quote, unquote.
2: <laughs> so I hate it. I hate it. are you saying that, like, the next, next like, they might not fight? What So what are they going to do? I
1: don't, I don't, I mean, I think that there's, I don't know what's going to, well, when they get there, there's no peace to accept. Right. So they're, they no longer have a choice to stay. They no longer have a choice for peace because now they now have a counterpart on the other side that doesn't want it. So, but you have, I mean, you know, if, if I think back all the way to, um, what is the actress that plays Gaia? Tati Gabriel? hmm She said that the whole, um, that one of the themes was what is unity? And I'm wondering if the next episode going into the first part of the finale is to be figuring out who are they and what are they fighting for? And one of the themes that Clark said in 501 was it's, you know, you can reduce human nature to kill or be killed, they revisited it again in this episode with Octavius telling Bellamy when he was like, I'm not going to fight. And she was like, everybody fights. We'll see. And then you saw him in the ring and he ultimately fought Indra. Like, and he was fighting her for real. Like, I, I, I was trying to watch to see, did he actually, I don't think he actually took Octavia's advice and played you know, kind of fought dirty using that inside he knowledge. Does, he
0: does hit our shoulder. But, like, I didn't understand what was going on in episode by itself until I read the script where um, the script cites his survival – survivor's in- instinct that, like, gets him to, like, fight again. And, like, Octavia apparently was counting on that. But, like, I felt like that was very unclear unless
1: you read the script. Oh, I haven't read it. But I'm, wonder- I'm-, I'm wondering if then they go to, like, the next – what they're facing isn't a choice. McCreary wants to kill them. He wants to kill, quote, all the savages. Mm-hmm. Right. So now is it going to be an en masse killer be killed and that's what unites people? It's kind of depressing. But <laughs> <laughs> but
2: and what yeah, the valley is now what so what is happening in the valley? The Kane and Diosa and, and their people are hiding?
1: They're on the ship somewhere. They took the ship.
2: They took right? the ship. Who's hiding? The, um, uh, the Raven the, and, and her crew? No, the I mean, defectors?
1: The defectors were the ones working on the settlement with Kane. Kane left them. They all got shot, right? And then some. But who's
2: hiding then? Because McCurry is looking for someone who's hiding.
1: Well,
0: didn't they take the ship? McCurry is looking for Dioza. Wasn't the. At all. Wasn't that code blue? He says, where
2: are they hiding? And they say, I don't, we don't know.
1: But didn't they take the ship? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yes.
2: I'm confused.
1: Right. They had Shaw to fly it. And I thought that was the whole Dioza's like plan code blue or whatever.
2: So, yeah. But I guess like, even if they take the ship, they have to go somewhere. (laughs) Um, Like, where would they go? Like, they can't just be in the middle of desert, right? Yeah. So they have to be somewhere in the valley? I I don't know. Like the val how big is the valley? Like it it's supposed to be small, but apparently you can still hide. Cause like all like um
1: Clark's hiding in the Roan cave. Murphy
2: was also hiding. hmm Um, yeah. So when the and how many people are with McCurry? We were never told. Is it like half and half? Dioza and McCurry? in terms of loyalty or is it cuz like when when um one crew arrives like how many people do they have to fight <laughs> there was a, there was a total of 300 people is it going to be like 150 people now cuz that's probably easy right there's 800 of them
1: but they have but they have superior weapons right
2: mhm yeah
1: i mean they have the strategic location and they have superior weapons um, Dioza has a ship and I guess we can maybe think that Dioza is going to, I mean, could it be possible that Dioza and Octavia end up working together mm-hmm. to give them superior numbers and the ship? And then you've got Mercury who's got those weapons and, and the position. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was really the thing that cuz you guys know that I'm like dorkily obsessed with this on the show, but <laughs> um the thing no matter what Octavia did, it was the thing that finally turned the crowd even even going to war totally unnecessarily. The thing that turned them was that she lied to them. Right. Um and it was—it's yeah. like, just so, de- but it's like so depressing that the one, like one of the few times that there is civil disobedience on the show, it ends the way that it that that it does. Like Monty, what Monty did was really fucking brave, and it's trying to break the cycle. And he he walked into a fighting ring oh with a fucking it plant. Was so
0: brave, and and this is like I will admit to being the first person who's like, oh this. Peaceful character is so boring, um, and and like I feel like Kane has been like that person, and like as much as I can see what Kane is trying to say in these worlds, it just it never feels effective. It feels like um, idealistic and
1: it's not effective because there wouldn't you no, know, it's not effective because then there wouldn't be a show to watch. Sure, there was peace.
0: sure, but like it, yes, okay, and and that's true of every storyline, but like in terms of like Monty following his his river of truth and bouncing back to be to like interrupt everyone else and be like, no, guys, listen. This is this is like what we can create. This is real. Um and so for me maybe maybe it's like tying in science to like the plan that like makes me respect it so much. Um But, like, that was awesome. And, like, this is the Monty that I loved in season one. And I'm so glad, like, he's had such an opportunity to, like, come back out in this
1: season. I mean, finally. Although, oh, by the way, that's another person. Did you guys catch Octavia told Monty that she loves him? When? In their scene, she says, Monty, you know that I love you. But if you... I don't know if that's... Then she's like, don't call me a dictator again or but whatever it was. Right. Mm-hmm. But she said that. I mean, she told three people in her life what they mean to her. It's really interesting to do that in the same episode mm-hmm. that she like literally sets the world on fire. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Speaking of Monty, um, I feel like at least one of Monty's lines could have been given to Harper. Like, it's, when... It's so when, weird. When, when Octavia like, was like, uh, oh, whoa, like, living in the e- in heaven with Adam and Eve, it's awesome. And Monty was like, no, actually, it sucks. At least, like, that could have been Harper. Like, because then she followed it up with something. Like, she was like... I forget what she it's said. It's so like, weird. She, she had a line, but they could have been, like, they could have given her one more, one fucking line. I, I
0: felt like they tried in this episode because, like... So Bellamy hugs Monty and I'm like, okay, yes, obviously. But what about Harper? But then Harper like puts her like hand in in Bellamy's hair and like scritches his hair. And I'm like, oh, is she? Oh, she's real? Uh, Oh, this is news to everybody.
2: (laughs) No, she's definitely real because she she put the hatch on the door.
0: who, Who did she upset? Cool. What did she say to, like, earn this yeah. ire on, on in, like, the production? I, I, like, I, I what's I feel going feel, on?
1: I mean, I feel like they must have sat her down at the beginning of the season and been like, so your character is going to sympathetically nod at a lot of other characters this season. I don't understand it.
0: I'm, like, it feels like she's being punished. Like, it, I miss, I miss Sassy Harper. I'm just saying, like, something feels amiss. <laughs> It's really.
2: Yeah. It might be a contract thing.
0: It might be. Yeah.
2: But but like contract, it's usually like if you're on camera, then you're on camera, right? Like you get paid mm-hmm. for being in the episode, regardless of how many lines you have. Or does it? Is it like I don't think it matters how many lines you have. You still get paid the same. I assume. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you're a guest star, I don't know how that works. But I doubt that like they count how many lines you had. So it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> maybe is it possible that like harper or uh what's the actor actress's name chelsea Reese. chelsea Reese was supposed to originally like supposed to not be in this season and then it worked out and they were like all right we'll just stand here and because we don't have any lines for you <laughs> uh, um i don't
1: know i don't know for like for. Uh, uh... It's just it's episode ten. We got three episodes left. Like I, I think we should have some sort of like mm-hmm. can do you think that she can have five lines before the finale? Totally.
2: <laughs> it was this mm-hmm. was this her second line this it season? It feels
1: so pointed though. Yeah. I don't no. know. Um, but then again, we wanted to hear more from Miller and then look what it got us. So <laughs> 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 these
0: are one Like I, I say... said, we're not
2: getting insight into anyone's perspective any of like like the so-called antagonist's perspective like Miller is another example like I would have liked to know I guess again this all goes back to the dark year I guess I don't know Mm -hmm. um yeah I can I just say I feel like Bellamy's plan for not fighting was deserved a little more consideration like because Indra dismissed it right away she was like even if octavia doesn't execute you or me she'll still kill gaia so never mind i'm gonna kill you i feel like maybe give that plan another thought because i don't think that octavia would have come down and then executed gaia and then and then be like um can't execute these two anymore so never mind they'll go to jail like she's not gonna do that so Hmm. she's either gonna execute all of them or none of them which was Bellamy's plan right right I, so I feel like that deserved a little more thought
1: <laughs> I also, it wasn't such a bad plan so there's a part of me that um, going into this episode knowing what the setup was going to be and it's way too ide- I get it it's way too idealistic and the point the show is making is anyone in that situation except for Kane I guess the second time he was in the situation Is is gonna is its kill or be killed and instincts gonna take over, but given the history between Indra and Bellamy, and the fact that Indra was, back in season three when Bellamy went with Pike and attacked her army, Indra was the line that Bellamy wouldn't cross, like it was a and you guys talked about at length and it was a partialism, but it was the line or it was strategic because he knew she she could have Lex's ear, but. That was the line Bellamy wouldn't cross. And it just seemed like tragic and perverse that it was Octavia putting the two of them in this position when they had come so far. I wish there had been more of kind of a joint stand of we're not going to do this. Um, It would have been a really nice bookend to sort of where they were in season three. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they still had some nice moments, but I just mean like symbolically choosing not to fight and sticking to it. But maybe that's just not realistic. That's not what somebody would do in that situation.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was that moment when Bellamy, I think, Bubs, you said that it wasn't clear on the screen that his uh, survival instinct kicked in. Mm -hmm. But I think I actually picked up on that because there was a moment when he was on the ground um, and he got up and, like, screamed.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it totally could have worked for some people. But for me, I'm like, wait, wait, what did I miss? Like, yeah. activated him, basically. Because, like, yeah. he's never shown to, like, do this in the past. He's always been very loyal and self-serving.
1: And even in that moment, he saved his sister's life. Yep. He, tackled, he tackled Gaia.
0: hmm
1: But... Yeah, oh, and and really quickly, I did think it was interest it was a total reverse of dial DiMarily. You had Octavia coming to give Bellamy advice and Bellamy wanting like like it was just like, oh my god. <laughs> Last <laughs> season we were in everybody was in the opposite position. But
2: Yeah. So <laughs> I uh, I um I have a will actually about Gaia trying to pull Alexa, but um we'll get to that. <laughs> Um
1: and did you see the thing about um somebody really smart and I forgot pointed out that Octavia basically pulled this season's Ilion?
2: Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't see that, but yeah.
1: Um like burning the option that they have that could keep them from having to do the horrible option to live. Right. Um, it's interesting. speaking of
2: Octavia burning the farm, Bob, so you you, th- you said that's the worst thing she's ever done.
0: Um I feel like most things that she's done has been you could root that in some kind of logic. This is the mm-hmm. first time it felt that she vindictively made a choice for everybody. And yeah. it made me most more uncomfortable than anything else that she's chosen to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and just like, you know what, you can think that going to war is the right thing. Um, but if there's another option, you can't just take away that option because it doesn't, like, fit into your narrative. Like, you you have to give people that option.
2: And there is nothing wrong with that option as far as we know.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
2: We talked about this a little bit before, that maybe there's something about the farm that's taboo for them or something. Mm-hmm. But now I'm thinking if that's the case, then... The people would have been unwilling to stay too. People would have been like, "Eh, nah, we'd rather not, but that mm-hmm. wasn't the case. Yeah. People were like, "Oh, awesome, then we'll stay and Octavia had to burn the farm so um,
1: unless unless not everybody in, unless unless it's not public knowledge uh-huh- Wh- oh
2: okay, so there's some secret about the farm that Octavia knows
1: well mm-hmm. so I, here's the thing. It, it, given the information that we have in this episode, Mm -hmm. it is perhaps one of the most unreasonable and arbitrary and like just like a mad, uncool, (laughs) mad dictator move that we have ever seen a leader do on this show. But given that it's this show, I can't help but think that they are setting us up to think that. And there's a, there is a principled reason that despite the fact that what she did, given the current circumstances and their options, that either you live with what you did and don't go to war and peop- not everybody has to die or go to war out of some misplaced principle, I, I just I'm hoping that there is something about the farm and what they had to do that she is just unwilling to allow that to be the continued basis for people's survival yeah or another thing i saw posed was psychologically whatever they had to do was so terrible that she's not willing to live with anything less than the promised land for her people
2: yeah that seems that that strikes me as a little less persuasive (laughs) um
1: well, I mean, you've said that we've never had like McCreary and Octavia right now. Right. I mean, I would I would argue Cage Wallace was not as um you understood why he was doing what he was doing, but it wasn't Yeah, definitely. But yeah. but not to the same extent. He wasn't as gray as let's say Dante. Um mm-hmm. but I I actually have a problem with the sometimes stated tenant of the show that there are no good guys.
2: Right.
1: I think sometimes there are just really bad fucking guys. Yes. And I'm glad that the show has someone like McCreary who's charismatic and can get a crowd on his side, but it's just a bad fucking guy. I mean, I think and watching it or watching why is the crowd going along? Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that we have a character like Octavia this season where we're sitting around and saying, why is the crowd going along with her? Why aren't they speaking up? Why aren't they trying to overthrow her? Why? Why is she getting away with this? I think it's an important thing to watch and an, an important conversation to have. I don't think it's true that like all leaders are are if we were in their shoes we would do the same thing like I think there are some outliers so
2: right I mean it's the two things are not incompatible right it's I feel like it's consistent you can say there are no good guys but there are still bad guys because it depends on what you define as a good guy I I guess so if you define a good guy as someone who um never does anything wrong um or you know Yeah, doesn't do like anything uh, horrific, then the idea is um, all leaders end up doing horrific things. Um, Simply because when you're in that position, your decisions decide the life and death of countless people. And it often is the case that no matter which course of action you take, someone is going to hurt. There's always Winner, winners and losers I mean this is always true in policy making whenever you pass a law, there are winners and losers mm-hmm. um and so you have to just dis- you have to do that um so if you define a good guy as someone who's never gets their hands dirty, then you can say there are no good guys, but you can say there are still bad guys who are people who uh act purely out of malice or they just have no consideration for anyone else. At all, as opposed to someone who ends up doing horrible things to other people, even though they weren't actively trying to. So McCreary is someone who it seems like he enjoys hurting other people or he like he acts out of malice
1: Mm -hmm. most Mm -hmm. of the time. Like he's killed. Right.
2: But even Cage Wallace wasn't that way. I feel like Cage wasn't acting out of malice um, necessarily.
1: Part of
0: him was doing it for his people.
2: Yeah,
1: but I mean, so one interesting thing to think about as we because I feel like something's been set up here. We have again had Monty having a conversation this time with Octavia saying he's not going to make a decision to save someone if it results in somebody else's death. And Octavia kind of. I mean, you know, it's a little difficult to hear when it's coming from Octavia, but Octavia kind of calling Harper and Monty out and saying, it must be easy in here. Shut off from Mm -hmm. everyone else when you don't have to fight the fight. Now, this is a fight that isn't in the current status quo, as far as they know, necessary, because they think Dioza is still in power, right? Mm -hmm. But going forward, when you have someone like McCreary in power, is it still the morally is it still tenable for Harper and Monty to stay on the sidelines Mm. Mm.
2: as opposed to
1: joining do what I mean, fighting him. I mean, they're, they're right now taking a position kind of akin to what Luna did before of like Mm. peace out. I'm not participating in the cycle. I'm not taking any more lives
0: peace out, but like not selfishly,
1: they're providing
0: an option for people, but
1: no longer. Right. Hmm? They, they are no, there are no, well, Luna, let's put Luna aside. Monty and Harper were working on a solution. That solution is now destroyed.
0: Yes, but no, and, and but they're marching with Octavia now.
1: But they're, well, they're marching, if, Monty was not They're marching sure.
0: because they have no, they have no other
1: option. Monty has now stated twice to Clark and to Octavia that he's not going to, he's not going to make a choice, or I'm sorry, he said it to Harper and now he said it to Octavia that he's not going to, he's not going to make a choice if it results in more people dying. Right. So Mm -hmm. is it, I just think it's a, he's said that twice and they haven't yet put him in the position where he has to decide. So I, I can't help but think that that's coming down the pike. And we now have, we're a, now fight. We're not fighting a morally gray person like Dioza right now. We're fighting McCreary. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Though they don't know that.
1: No, no, no. I'm not judging. I, I what. I'm not judging Harper and Monty in any way at this point. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. I think it sets up an interesting moral dilemma when you have someone that says, "I will no longer resort to violence under any circumstances," mm-hmm. and on the other side, you have a leader as terrible and ruthless and going to hurt people like McCreary.
2: Yeah. I mean, this goes back to our uh, discussion about killing versus letting die, because um, if you, if your principle, your maxim is I'm never going to do anything that results in anyone's death following that can result in other people's death. So by not doing anything, you can cause death because If, you know, if you don't kill anyone, someone else is going to kill even more people, right? Right. So this is a sort of like, uh, you know, ending World War II type of situation. Um, So then, but then the question is, can you then say, okay, that's not on me because I didn't kill anyone. Um, I simply removed myself from the equation and some people died. Or can you say no, it's the same either way by doing what you by making the decision that you made you caused death um and so you're not really even um you' you're you're not really doing what you want to do, which is not kill anyone else, you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'm just, yeah I just it's now the second time Monty said it, so I'm just wondering, yeah. Anytime a character has the intention of trying to do the right thing, and there's three episodes left, I just have a feeling <laughs> <laughs> that he might get put in, he and Harper might get put in a situation where they have to really think that through. Yeah.
2: So unless you guys have anything pressing, let's move on to Will actually's, mm-hmm. shall we? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I had a Will actually. Um, uh, I. I watched that scene where Gaius um, throws the staff at Octavia and I watched it many times and I'm pretty sure the staff leaves Ga- uh, Gaia's hand just like a second before Bellamy tackles her. Um, so it shouldn't really affect the trajectory of the, of the staff. The fact that he <laughs> tackles her because <laughs> um, at first I thought she fucked up. I thought she just didn't have good aim. But then I and then then I watched it again. I was like, "Oh, we're supposed to think that Bellamy tackled her, and that's why it didn't." Oh,
1: I thought he got like a hand on it, like he messed up the trajectory, and then ended up tackling her.
2: He had a hand on the staff.
1: But you've watched it many more times, so I defer to you.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I what I saw is Gaia threw it, and then like, and you even hear it whiz. You hear the staff whiz through the air, and then. Like half a second later, Bellamy tackles tackles her. That might have just been like a hard thing to coordinate, <laughs> you know, during the acting. But that's my will, actually. Uh, yeah. What about you guys?
1: Um, I had two. Mm-hmm. My first was a technical one that I kind when they had the Becca burning scene. Um, I don't understand how the flame didn't melt. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's yeah. fair.
2: Again, I'm not sure if they actually went through with it. Maybe they didn't kill her.
1: Ah, maybe. Oh, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, we never saw her actually burn fully.
1: Interesting. Okay, all right. Um, And then the second one was, why... Okay, this is kind of hard to say now with the end of the episode with Octavia being, like, truly at the craziest point that we've ever seen her. But... <laughs> but... Just like, bu- let's just say before, like at the beginning of the episode, when 50% of the people want to follow a 12-year-old girl, I'm kind mm. of like, why should the leader that got them through the last six years suddenly think that it's a it would be a better idea to follow a 12-year-old? <laughs> like, I don't think it's that unreasonable that um, Octavia didn't want to step down and hand over power to a 12-year-old.
2: Uh-huh. I mean, how old is she now? She's 22?
1: Um, What was she? She was 16, right? Yeah. The plus six months that are season yeah. one mm-hmm. through four and now six years. So.
2: Yeah. So she's 22, 23. Um,
1: There's a big difference. Yeah,
2: but I mean, grounders have always have commanders that are young. So mm-hmm. I don't
1: know. <laughs> But if you were Octavia and Sky and like formerly Sky Crew, would you think that's a good idea? (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, Sky Crew
2: never thought that was a good idea. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. So, um, anything else? Any other thoughts before we do TV shows? I think
0: we're
1: good. Yeah.
2: All right. um, So, TV shows to recommend?
1: Um, I have three episodes left of the last season of 12 Monkeys, Um, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic.
2: Yeah, Joe has been on my ass to watch 12 Monkeys for it's, a while now.
1: It's so good. <laughs> I mean, it's got a lot of the same um, kind of utilitarian moral dilemmas as, as The 100. Um, It makes your brain hurt with all of the kind of butterfly effect mm-hmm. of if you changed uh-huh. this in the past, but... Really, really phenomenal characters, and always, always remembering the fallout for things, character relationships to each other, the kind of always coming back to kind of the found family. Um, this final season's been fantastic, and from what I've heard, generally, I think the last three episodes are probably going to like break me. But um, if you haven't watched it and you are looking for something to look on the uh, watch on the hiatus, it's really, really good.
2: Cool. So I started watching Stranger Things.
1: Yay! Finally.
2: <laughs> Have you guys been telling me to watch it?
0: Uh, it's amazing.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I, I originally started watching it because I'm obsessed with Harmon Quest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they keep mentioning Stranger Things on there because I guess there's D&D in Stranger yeah. Things. So that's how I started watching it. Um, And yeah, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it's retro. It's like 80s stuff. They had to like figure out how everything looked in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even a scene where they're talking about PTSD and the doctor is like, and we're still learning about this <laughs> because it's the 80s. Um, so, yeah. And there's this um, kind of this proto-molecule thingy in it, um, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I recommend that. And the entire plot could not take place today. Mm-hmm. because when we were growing up kids could just ride their bikes and like be home for dinner yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't that doesn't happen That's, anymore yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: And le- except uh there are some some states are passing free-range parenting laws so mm-hmm. it could still happen i think utah has them so it could happen in utah
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well utah doesn't have great like um for vaccination
2: uh-huh Numbers. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, anything else?
1: No. Well, thanks for having me on, guys.
2: Yeah. Thank you, guys. <gasps> for thanks for coming finally on.
0: coming on with your all all your facts and stuff.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> we done. need
2: our we need our fix of CC our once facts in a while.
1: Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: All right, guys. Well, maybe geek again. Take it easy. Bye
0: bye. I'm gonna go make some pancakes. <laughs>